and we are on air. This is Monday night, June the 5th, for our WWT Raceway NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off on Fan for Racing Radio. Joining me shortly will be our co-host, Seth Segala, so I will do our rundown while we're waiting for him to come on board. In our first half hour, we're going to start with the latest short track news. Then we'll review the ARCA West Series race at Portland International Raceway. We'll include a brief ARCA Menard Series and ARCA East Series update. In our next half hour, we're going to review the Truck Series race at WWT Raceway and then the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Portland International Raceway. And in our third half hour, we do have a guest. Dylan Zampa will be on board. He's the driver of the number 29 for Spears SRL Southwest Touring Series, and he will join our conversation. Then afterward, we will review the NASCAR Cup Series race at WWT Raceway. We end this episode, of course, with our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off conversation with the Fan for Racing crew. So, uh, again, Sal uh, is just getting home from work when the show is getting started, so we'll give him a couple minutes here to kind of get settled in before he calls in, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to him when he arrives. Uh, So let me go ahead and get started with some short track news. I'm going to start over at Racing America. Uh, This came out today. Andy Lally will be racing with Rick Ware Racing for the Sonoma and for the at Sonoma and for the remaining road courses. So he'll be driving the number 15 entry for this weekend's NASCAR Cup Series at Sonoma. Uh, so that's going to be fun to see Andy Lally uh, back behind the wheel of a NASCAR Cup Series uh, vehicle. So watch for him this weekend. Uh, also. <clears throat> Uh, MPM Marketing announces the signing of Tucker Anderson from Dirt Cars. Uh, Anderson from Blairsville, Georgia, is a regular competitor in 604 and 602 Dirt Late Model events. So uh, that's a big deal for Tucker Anderson, and uh, he's a 16-year-old Dirt Late model racer, and uh, I'm sure that uh, he's uh, happy about that news. Uh, Also, fans will be able to watch the ASA Stars at Hickory on Monday night on MAV-TV. That's tonight over on MAV-TV. That race starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, same time as our show, the Tar Heel 250. Okay, let me bring Sal into the queue here. Welcome to the show, Sal. Hello? Hi, Sal. Oh, you can hear me? I have a, I can... I'm trying out a new set of headbutts because my other ones, I lost them. Oh, no. Okay, yes, I can hear you. Uh, I was just going over some of the late model news or the short track news and dirt racing news over at Racing America. But now I'm going to head over to Flow Racing now uh, and look at the news over there uh, and get good things that are going on there. Uh, There's a list here of the top ten active dirt late model drivers at Eldora Speedway. They have a race that's coming up 
And so uh, they're going to tell you who to watch, I guess, ranking the 10 active dirt late models at Eldora Speedway prior to the 2023 dirt late model dream. Uh, so uh, if you want to know who to watch for out there when they're racing at Eldora, uh, that's a good article to check out. Anything you see okay, over at Racing? Uh uh, all I can say is that Jacob Dandy wins Indiana Mitchell Week opener at Tri-State Speedway. Um, that's all one I Denny? can see. Then, um, Jacob Denny, yeah. Okay. And then also Jake Swanson used the last lap pass for USAC Sprints win at Knoxville Raceway. All of these articles, by the way, are over at Flow Racing. Okay, then one of the uh, one of the races that won't be on that was it actually wasn't televised that it also wasn't uh, you won't see any news on it is um, the the Wenatchee 200, which is the first time they've had a super late model race at Wenatchee Speedway up in Washington, and it it ran this Saturday, and um, they didn't get any coverage on it. I talked to Jeremy Anders. I was up at the race. But anyways, Cole Raz ended up with the win. He beat out uh, Derek Thorn was in this race also, so he beat out Derek Thorn. Uh, wow. Derek ended up finishing second. Yeah, Derek finished second. Cole Raz won the race. Cole Raz, as most of you know, is Grayson. Is uh, um, Grayson Raz's younger brother who used to run the uh, Can-Am West Series with um, Jefferson Pitts Racing. His teammate used to be Noah Gregson. So that was mm-hmm. a really good race. Too bad it wasn't televised. Too bad there wasn't any coverage on it. But next year they're going to get coverage for it. And uh, okay. they had a really good, they had a really good crowd out there. Really good racing, really exciting. So congrats to Cole Raz and yeah, and uh, 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 Jefferson um, Jeff Jefferson Motorsports. Very good. Also, uh, a name that might be familiar to some NASCAR fans: Rico Abreu earns a big All Star. Sprints win at Plymouth Dirt Track uh, this past weekend. So uh, a big congratulations to him as well. Yeah, then uh, who else do we have here? Uh, Connor Hall. Connor Hall. Connor Hall wins the Cars Tour 125 at Langley Speedway in a family-built car. So uh, that's I'm sure that was an exciting, exciting win, especially uh, – Especially, um, he held off Caden uh, Honeycutt on the last 20 laps. He took the lead wow. in 20 laps to go from Caden Honeycutt and held off and held off Queen to score his first uh, tour tour victory of the uh, Brendan Queen. Held off Brendan Queen to get his first uh, win in the 2023 Cars uh, Tour Series. Well, here's a uh, NHRA uh, news as, as well. Uh, Sal, the Flow Racing favorite, Anton Brown, collects his 50th number one qualifier at uh, NHRA Epling. So uh, it's his first number one qualifier award in nearly six years, and he took it this Saturday at the New England Nationals to score the 50th pole of his career. Yeah, and actually that race won't be run until this weekend. Uh, It got rained out. They only got through, through some of the qualifying, and that was it. So 
So basically all of Saturday and all of Sunday, the finals got rained out. So they only ran two rounds of top fuel this past weekend. Uh-huh. So they'll finish running it. They'll, they'll finish it up this next weekend at, uh, at their next stop. So, um, uh-huh. yeah, so, so then that'll happen on, uh, uh-huh. Friday, Saturday, or actually Saturday and Sunday. Okay, great. Um, thanks for that update. Now we're going to go ahead and move over to short track scene and uh, hit some of the headlines over there. Uh, I see one here. Cup spotter Derek Nealon begins the 2023 season driving slate at Berlin. Uh, so we're going to see a spotter behind the wheel. Yeah, yeah. actually he just finished up his, his car. He was uh, looking for sponsorship the last I think it's been the last three, four weeks he's been uh, looking for sponsorship, but he, he just barely finished up the car. He finished up late. He wanted to start at the beginning of the season. He was, he was supposed to start at Five Flags the first day of the season, but, but uh, couldn't get the car done in time. So, um, But now he's all, he's all uh, good and ready to go. Well, I'm excited for him. Uh, also, what are some of the other ones that you see? Yeah, oh, Gio, Gio um, uh, uh, Rosario beat William Byron in the ASA Hickory Slugfest. I watched that one. Uh, talked to um, William Byron's uh, tire guy, too, and uh, that was not a very uh, – William Byron was not happy with the way he was raced by Gio. Oh. So, uh, but, yeah, it was another – it was another uh, – Another controversial finish. And um, anyways, uh, uh, congrats to, to Gio on the win. And um, so, Will Byron, you know, you, you can't get them all, but this is the second, one of the, I think the second race that uh, that um, Gio has ran Byron this hard. And, and so there's no, uh, there's a lot of bad blood between these two. Okay. Well, we have to kind of watch that story as <clears throat> continues to unfold. As it develops. Now, also, we've yeah. been talking about this race, Sal, uh, the SRL race, the national SRL race at Berlin, is the Money in the Bank uh, race is going to be coming up here as well, June 6th and 7th. That's uh, tomorrow and Saturday. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's going to be a really good race. They um, they got they got a lot of good entries in there. And, um mm. And uh, actually, this is a, one of the yeah they picked this race up from the ASA. Uh, this was supposed to be an ASA race, and uh, um, SRL National stepped in and and kind of kind of took the race from uh, from the ASA. So, um, well, we mentioned it's gonna be, that it's gonna be a good uh, one. Eric Nealon's going to be racing along with Eric Jones, but so is Carson Hosevar. He's going to be in that race as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 This is one of the big ones. It's 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 run during the week. You'll have Bubba Pollard will be there. Derek Griffith, Jet Nolan, um, Gio uh, uh, Rosario will be back. And, Sean Hingarani. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sean Hingarani is going to be there. Um, like you said, Carson Hosovar, um, and uh, Mike Garvey, who's a who's an old he's a he's an old school driver from from back there. He's mm-hmm. also got his, uh, his trend. Yeah. Sean Hingarani will be running a car for, um, 
he will be running. I think he's running the car that usually Chandler Smith would normally run for um, for uh, Donnie Wilson Motorsports. So uh, that that would be the car that Sean Hinger runs in. Another driver that we know from the uh, Arkham Menard series is Derek Griffith. Uh, there's an article out here about him loving Berlin Raceway, and he expects to have speed for that race. So there's another driver that's going to be in uh, this race. Oh yeah, he's oh yeah, he'll definitely be in it. He's uh he's he's big on the on the East Coast as far as all the big um as far as all the uh, the big money racers, and then um. Uh, let's see. Benjamin goes back to back with the mm-hmm. uh, GSPSS Riverside win. Um, Travis Benjamin uh, says it took Travis Benjamin six starts over seven seasons to win his first race in the Granite State Pro Stock Series. So uh, very good. Uh, Congratulations so, yeah. to Travis. Yeah, that's a that's a big win for Travis right there. It is indeed. Okay, I think we'll do one more, and that is Carter Langley and Aaron Donnelly split the South Boston Twins for late model stock cars. Uh, the leaders crashed along the line, and no one was mad, so that's uh, pretty good. <laughs> that's a first. <laughs> that's a first, huh? So the lengthy, lengthy string of nine wins that Carter Langley and six-time South Boston Speedway champion Peyton Sellers of Danville, Virginia, had achieved between themselves at South Boston was broken in Saturday night's Bojangles night race event, but not before Langley had extended the string one more time. So uh, very, very, uh, very good to have two different winners there for the twins at South Boston. All right, we're going to go move on, uh, Sal, over to the ARCA Racing uh, website and talk now about uh, the race that took place this past weekend uh, that Landon Lewis won. Uh, you and I were both talking about this earlier. Uh, it was a uh, battle between Landon Lewis and Cole Custer. Uh, Landon Lewis, by the way, has won... Uh, of the four races this season, he's had second place three times. So to get first in this fourth race was a really big deal for Landon Lewis. Oh yeah, it was a big deal. He um, he's been he's been knocking on the door, and uh, he, he and actually he had a win last year at in the Arquidar Series. He had a win at um, at Kern at Kern County Raceways where he picked up his very first. Uh, Arkwin, our Series West win. Okay, so that's pretty cool, and and he had to beat he had to beat uh, a really good driver in the NASCAR Xfinity Series regular, Cole Custer. It was exciting to watch uh, those two drivers <laughs> battle for speed in those closing laps. Yeah, it was, and man, a huge congratulations to William Solich who didn't have a hood. From a wreck early in the race, and he still had the speed enough to come back and um and still get a, uh, a solid um, fourth place finish. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Custer finished in second. He was followed by Dale Quarterly. Then it was William Sawalich, Parker Retzlaff, uh, rounding out the top uh, five. 
And then the next five drivers were Bradley Erickson, Caleb Schrader, Takuma Koga, David Magras, and, uh, or Magras, and Eric Johnson Jr. So, uh, your thoughts about the top ten there, Jay, uh, Sal? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty crazy, uh, it was a pretty crazy race. I watched it. I watched Dale Cordley actually finish third. Congrats on that because he picked up a mm-hmm. penalty when he went through the, he, he shot out through the, um, Oh, what heck do they call that? That turn right there. Anyways, when you go through, if you if you don't make the turn, you're supposed to stop and yes. then go. And he he didn't make the stop. He just went he just went right through it. Yeah, and, he had uh, to after, back to the back. He he had to go into the pit and 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 do a stop and go pit penalty. So he came out and finally he made up his uh he made up his um uh the time that he made up and. But yeah, the top ten, uh, you know, you see a lot of names up there. Takuma Koga, congratulations on the eighth place finish. Um, Kato Schrader, who was driving a car for Bill McAnally Racing, a rookie mm-hmm. finished seventh. And of mm-hmm. course him and Landon Lewis Landon Lewis being the uh the highest finishing rookie who won the race. So, um uh it was a it was a for those of you that haven't watched it, I don't know when they're replaying it, but you gotta watch it. It was a really good race. Uh, a lot of wrecks, a lot of action. Right here. Yeah, a lot of different excuse me, a lot of different things going on. Absolutely. It's a great race race to watch if you have not seen it. I would highly recommend the replay of the Portland one twelve at Portland International Raceway and it can be seen on June the eleventh. That's this Sunday on CNBC at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, If you can't watch it at that time, make sure you uh, set up the DVR to record it because it was an exciting race with all kinds of things happening throughout the event. Um, Let's go over the uh, point standings uh, for the ARCA West, Sal. Okay, the the point standings for the ARCA West is – we still see uh, Landon Lewis leading the points. Um, Sid in second is Sean Hingarani. Third is uh, actually tied for second is Sean Hingarani and Tyler Reif. Yeah. Um, and then you go to fourth is uh, Bradley Erickson, who's only a point behind. And then in fifth is Trevor Huddleston, who also had a good run at, at Portland. And then sixth is Tanner Reif. Seventh is Kyle Keller. Eighth is Takuma Koga. Ninth is Todd Sousa. And tenth is David Smith. So that rounds out your top ten. Yeah, it's a really tight battle, though, I think, still. And there's quite a few ties in that group. Uh, there's a tie between Todd Sousa and David Smith for that ten, ninth spot. There's also a tie between Kyle Keller and Takuma Koga for the seventh spot. Um, and between tenth and first, after four races, is just 56 points. So, and then you mentioned the tie uh, for the second position between Sean Hingarani and Tyler Reif. Uh, yeah, that's right, Tyler Reif. Um, it's really amazing. 
uh, Tyler, Sean Hingarani has the best average uh, start, but Landon Lewis has the best average finish uh, because he's got that 1.8 with three seconds and the first place finish in four races. So he uh, definitely deserves to be in that number one spot, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a battle this year for the for the as far as the points go. Um, you know this because um, now they have to have another road course coming up this weekend in Sonoma, so they're going straight yes. from one road course straight into another. Usually they'll take a two or three week um, absence. Yep, but, but um, they're going to be this time. They're, this time they're going straight from. Uh, straight from Portland, straight to uh, to uh, Sonoma, into another road course. Exactly, and I want to just mention here on a programming note, we tried to get Landon Lewis uh, for tonight's program. Uh, however, it did not work out. So we do have him scheduled to be on our podcast that we're putting together on Thursday for our preview show of Sonoma. So we'll be able to talk to Landon not only about his win this weekend at Portland, uh, but we can talk to him as a preview uh, for the race coming up at Sonoma as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to chatting with him. And I know, Sal, you are really looking forward to talking to him. So we're going to see if we can't get him back for the Monday show sometime as well. Okay, yeah, sounds really good. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure we can work something out with him and get him. You know, get him back. You know, so this way we get him on and uh, and uh, yeah, especially if he wins again at Sonoma, Sal, that would be the perfect time to bring him back. <laughs> oh yeah. So we'll have to keep an yeah, eye on that. We'll have to keep an eye on it, but uh, stay tuned for our interview with Landon Lewis this Thursday as well. Okay, um, we do have some uh, other races that are coming up in the Arkham Menard series, uh, and Sal and I, or Sal, Jay and I, <laughs> see, I do it the other way too, Sal, uh, Jay and I will be doing that preview of the uh, General Tire 200 at Sonoma Raceway uh, for the Arca West series uh, this Thursday. Uh, that race will take place on June 9th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, it's, again, the General Tire 200, and it will be uh, available uh, via Flow Racing uh, for live streaming. So if you're not a member there, you want to make sure you get signed up for that. Also, uh, the ARCA East, uh, well, let's go to the Arkham Menard Series, because the Arkham Menard Series, we were just talking about Berlin Speedway for the SRL National. It's not the same weekend, but the next weekend after that, uh, the Arkham Menard Series will be racing the Berlin Arca 200 on June 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern at Berlin Raceway, and that race will be televised on Fox Sports 1, which is kind of exciting uh, to have that on the big stage uh, for the Arkham Art Series. And then the last one that I want to mention here is the Calypso 150 for the Arkham Art Series East. Uh, we're going to have to wait for this one, Sal. It's not going to be until July the 15th. 
at 8 p.m. Eastern Time out at Iowa Speedway. And again, that race will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So a lot of fun racing coming up here in all three series of the Arkham Menards series. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of excitement coming up. So just as a fan, just get ready and uh, sit, uh, sit back and enjoy the show. Okay, and just so you know, tickets are still available for that General 200 at uh, Sonoma Raceway this weekend. Uh, and uh, there is a link. If you go to arcaracing.com, they have a link for where you can get the Friday night tickets or you can get a weekend pass. And there's also a telephone number that you can call uh, to get your tickets. So they give you the uh, office hours and everything over there at arcaracing.com, and it links you actually with Sonoma Raceway uh, for that information. So uh, uh, really a good time to get tickets and get out there to the racetrack. Um, let's see, a couple of uh, – they, they talked about the five uh, Xfinity Series drivers that uh, raced out at Portland – Cole Custer was one of those drivers. Uh, he came up short of the victory, but he came awful close. Yes, he did. It was a, it was a, it was a close one. Um, it definitely was. Huh? No, I'm trying to fix these earbuds there. One or two score wants, wants to keep going off. One wants to stay on, and the other one... It's, it's playing music, so I have to keep pushing the button so it'll go back to the phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, up well, another article somewhere. that's up there, you know, we talk about Takuma Koga all the time. Uh, he comes from Japan uh, for the racing that he does in the Arkham Menard series and uh, in the Arkham West series specifically. And uh, there's a great article over at ArcaRacing.com, talking about his love for racing that keeps bringing him back to that West Series. Uh, but I always love to see Takuma Koga in the top ten uh, because of all the to be in these races now. Yeah, it is, and you know he has over he has over a hundred starts in, in the Arca West Amazing. Series too. Amazing, and him and Tatsusa are the only two. Did have that many oh, It's amazing. Uh, but I, I highly recommend everybody uh, read that article because it really uh, shares some great information about Takuma Koga. And then there's also um, uh, NASCAR 75 ARCA roots prevalent in many of the new additions to the greatest driver's lifts uh, during NASCAR's 75th year anniversary where they've uh, added 25 new drivers uh, to the 50 best drivers uh, in NASCAR. But a lot of those drivers started in uh, in the Arkham Menard series. Yes. Oh, yeah, they did. A lot of them did. Um, this is where they then, get their start from. And then from here, then they move up into the truck series and then to the um, – from the truck series then into the uh, – to the Xfinity and to Cup. Yes, indeed. It's always uh, a lot of fun to kind of uh, see the link between the Arkham and Art Series and NASCAR. And then also, Manan Raman, uh, 
and how he's rose to prominence in Venturini Motorsports. Venturini this year is really making a lot of history uh, by racing for the championship in both uh, the ARCA East, the ARCA West, and the ARCA Menard Series. They're racing all three of the series this year. Uh, and he serves, uh, he's an engineer at Bentrini Motorsports, but he also serves as a crew chief on occasion. He's a Bengali American whose journey in motorsports is just getting started. So, uh, a re- another really great article, uh, from, uh, ARCAracing.com. And did you know, Sal, that it was Sean Hingarani uh, when he dove low at Portland International Raceway this weekend, he earned the Reese Sweet Move of the Race. Yeah, I read I read something about that in, in, the, in the Arca News that yeah that he did get this the, the, the Sweet Move of the Race. You know what they do? They um they let the fans vote on it. Yes, I think that so, is so. So basically, yeah. So basically, it's, it's a fan vote. On the as far as the um, as far as the uh, you know the the um, uh, sweet move of the race. Yeah, and so the, that's what the fans voted for, and uh, you know what? I trust their uh, their uh, voting tally down that. Okay, so we're at the top of the hour, so it's time for us to move over to the Craftsman Truck Series uh, and the um, review of their race at Worldwide Technology Raceway, the Toyota 200. Grant Enfinger came up with that victory at the age of 38 years, and uh, he drives the number 23 Champion Power Equipment Chevrolet for GMS Racing. His crew chief is Jeff Hensley. Uh, it was his ninth victory in the 162 Craftsman Truck Series races, his second victory and seventh top ten finish this season. It's also his first victory and fourth top ten finish in seven races at WWT Raceway. Christian Eckes finished second, posting his second top ten finish in six races at WWT Raceway. And it's his sixth top ten finish this year. Stuart Friesen had a nice finish, finishing third. It was his fifth top ten finish in six races at uh, WWT Raceway. And I'm so impressed with Nick Sanchez from Rev Racing. He finished eighth and was the highest finishing rookie of this race. Uh, very exciting uh, for uh, the season that he is having uh, with Rev Racing in their uh, season this year in the, in the uh, Craftsman Truck Series. So taking advantage of Ty Majestic and Jane, Zane Smith's wreck at the front of the field, Grant Infinger grabbed his second Craftsman Truck Series victory of the season uh, at WWT Raceway. It was during a two-lap overtime that took the race two laps past its scheduled distance of 160 laps. Infinger, of course, held off Christian Eckes to claim his first win at the track and the ninth of his career. Uh, let's see. He also took home that additional $50,000 for winning the second race of the Triple Truck 
challenge. Infinger was in the right position to inherit the lead on lap 156 of the extended 162-lap race. Uh, that's when Zane Smith and the pole sitter Ty Majeski wrecked while battling for that top spot. Infinger was in third place and uh, was challenging all day, having won stage one and leading a race high a race high 65 laps. Again, Christian Eckes was second, Stuart Friesen third, and Stuart also won stage two. Then it was Carson Hosevar, Chase Purdy, Matt DiBenedetto, Ben Rhodes, Nick Sanchez were all four through eight. Jesse Love in his series debut filling in for Corey Heim, who is not feeling well, ended up finishing in ninth place, and Jake Garcia closed out the top ten. There were 11 lead changes among four drivers, 11 cautions for 61 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, 116.898 miles per hour. Your thoughts, Sal, about that uh, top 10 finish? Yeah, it was, it was, um, I, I, missed, I missed the race because I was getting ready for, um, what happened? Oh, no, we were, we were flying out to, uh, to um, Washington, so I missed the race. But um, yeah, that top ten was—I mean, Jake Garcia finally finally broke the top ten. It was neat mm-hmm. to see him, you know, as as a rookie. You know, you know, we've been talking about him, you know, being um, Christian Eckes, uh, Eckes, um teammate over Bill McAnally Racing, and Christian is, gosh, he's on his way to. Man, he's really uh, making a making a, a name for himself in the truck series. You know, after he's picked up a couple of wins and, you know, now, you know, he's running up front. Um, seems like the team is, is finally clicking on all eight cylinders. It does. It really does. Uh, and Jesse Love, what about Jesse Love finishing ninth in his first truck series race? Yeah, I think that's the other one, too. Mm-hmm. So the average, uh, the margin of victory for this race was point two five six of a thousandth of a second. So uh, that was pretty amazing as well. There were 22 cars that finished all 162 laps of this race. Uh, and then you go down to 31 cars uh, finished the race. Well, 30 cars finished the race. Uh, there were some cars that had um, uh, a little bit of incidents. Of course, Ty Majeski was caught up in that accident. He was out on lap 155. Haley Deegan had an accident that took her out of the race on lap 86. Connor Jones' accident took him out on lap 66. Uh, and Clay Greenfield, poor guy, didn't even make it through the first lap, and he was out of the race. Dean Thompson had uh, engine issues that took him out of the race on lap 20. Uh, your thoughts uh, about those uh, situations? Are you still with me, Sal? No, Sal had to call back in. Sal, you're back in. Yeah, no, I thought I was trying to tell you, my, my, my phone kicked me out. My earbuds kicked me out. One fell out of my ear, and, and I don't know. These are weird. The other ones don't, don't don't hang on. I can talk with one. These ones, one falls out, and it and it hangs up. So yeah, I'm back. 
Okay. Well, I was asking about your thoughts about uh, the ones that had accidents or uh, whatever that took them out of the race. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I mean, hey, it is what it is. I mean, it's it's racy. You know, you got to expect it. Yeah, that's um, true. I mean, it's 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 a tough pill to swallow, but you know what? It's, you know, you're gonna get it. You know, it's like they say, you gotta take the good with the bad. You know, um, uh, you know, Tyler Jeske. I know, I know, he's been running real well in the series. You know, so, you know, and, and even the drivers will tell you, you know what? You know, you know, you'll have your ups and your downs. You know what? And and they all they all want to they all want to get all these all these gremlins out. You know, at the mm-hmm. end of the season, you know, and, and, and you know, have a, have a still be in the chase, you know, cause, you know, that's when you know, like you say, you really want to peak, you know, is in the first first you want to win that one race to get you in, you know, and then after that, you know, then it's you know, you know, trying to stay in, and mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it's it's tough, you know. I think I'm not sure. When we check the points, I'll see. I think time might already have a win. I'm not yeah, sure he does or not. Yeah, yeah, he does win. Uh, they've got 12 races in on this season, and there's a couple drivers here that only have the 11 starts, one because of their age and one because they weren't feeling well this weekend. You want to go over the points? Yeah, we'll go over the points right now. So, um, needing the points, huh. it's still Corey Heim. Yep. Um, one one point behind Corey. This time, no time is yes. He doesn't have any wins this season so far. Corey Hive has a win. Grant Infinger has two wins. Oh, you're right. I've looked the wrong column there. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ty doesn't have a win yet, but he's one point behind um, Corey Hive in the points. And then you got Grant Infinger. Um, the fourth is Zane Smith. Fifth is Ben Rhodes with one win. And then you go down to six is Christian Eckes, who has two wins. Seventh is Carson Hosovar, who has one win. Eighth is Matt Crafter with zero wins. Ninth is Stuart Friesen with zero wins. And the top ten, and in the tenth spot is a Matt uh, D. Uh, uh, Benedetto. And uh, right behind him in the eleventh spot, outside of the bubble, is uh, Tanner Gray. That's only seven points behind uh behind the bubble spot of, of Matt uh, uh, DiBenedetto. Yep, and then Nick Sanchez, Chase Purdy, Jake Garcia, Tyler Ankrum take us down to uh, the top 15 drivers. Um, but uh, it's amazing. Three drivers have uh, two wins uh, with Grant Infigure, Zane Smith, and Christian Eckes, and then four drivers, or is it another? It's three drivers. Three drivers had that one win with Corey Heim, uh, Ben Rhodes, and Carson Hosovar. All the rest of that top ten have the zero wins. Um, the one with the most playoff points, though, Sal, Christian Eckes was 14, and he's in sixth place, but he's got the most stage wins with those two wins, uh, giving him the most playoff points. Yeah, you know, with uh, yeah, he's racing for uh, 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 Bill McAnally Racing this year. Boy, he sure has really helped that team and brought him, you know, brought you know brought him up in a in a in a, in a prominent, legit uh, contender. 
Yeah, him and Corey Heim are the only drivers that have four stage wins. And keep in mind, Corey Heim did not race this weekend. So uh, he didn't even race this weekend, and he's still at the top of the points uh, standings. So that's that's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Sure is. It's a um, you know, you know to be able to hold on to that spot like that, and uh, you know, because you know you look at the in the top ten that we're going to take into the chase. Mm-hmm. There's only one, two, three. What is it? One, two, three. Five drivers. Five drivers that don't have a win. So already half half of the field that's in already has mm-hmm. a win. Mhm. Yep. So uh, there's five open spots for people to get in on points, and it's going to be a battle. They have uh, what, maybe four more races left this season, and uh, their season, their regular season is going to be open, and they're going to start their uh, uh, play- playoffs. So time, the t- clock is ticking here in the truck series for sure. Oh yeah, yes it is, um, I'm, and I'm sure the drivers in eleventh, eleventh on down are starting. It. They're going to start to fill it pretty soon. Yes, they are. So I expect that the racing is going to be very, very, um, very tight uh, for these guys yeah. as they uh, wind down their season. Uh, let me go over what's left here. They're going to race at Nashville Super Speedway on June 23rd. Then they've got Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course on July the 8th, Pocono Raceway July 22nd, and then their season finale is Richmond Raceway on July 29th. Uh, so August, in August is when they start their playoff round of 10, and that's on August 11th at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. So only four more races uh, for them to get into the playoffs here in the in the Craftsman Truck Series. Well, this season sure has gone by quick. It's gone by quick. It's gone by slow because we had some some weeks where nobody raced and they they shut down the terminals and also they they opened them, you know, with with uh, you know with more uh, um, more. I'm sorry, I didn't catch what you said there, Sal. Sal, are you still there? Oh, Sal has to call back in again. He must have gotten dropped again. Uh, I didn't quite catch what he said at the end there. Um, But he'll call back in, and uh, we'll catch up with what he said there. Uh, While he's doing that, I'm going to uh, go ahead and uh, pull up my notes here for the Xfinity Series race. Now, they raced out at um, Portland International Raceway. So uh, it was a little bit of back and forth there between WWT Raceway and Portland International uh, Raceway this weekend. Okay, Sal is back. So, Sal, we didn't quite catch what you said there at the end. You know what? Give me go ahead and keep going. I'm gonna hang up. I'm out to go get Sandy's earbuds and put them in because these ones are aren't working. I gotta go find them before a guest comes on. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll go ahead I'll and get right started with the Xfinity okay. series then. Okay, yeah. Go ahead and then I'll, as soon as I find the others, I'll, I'll call. I'll call you right back. Oh, okay. Thanks, Sal. 
Okay. Okay, Sal's going to take care of that, and uh, while he's busy getting his earbuds uh, in place, we're going to go ahead and get started with our review of uh, the Xfinity Series race out at Portland International Speedway. Uh, the Pacific Office Automation 147 uh, was won by Cole Custer. He finished second in the ARCA race, uh, ARCA West race, and first in the Xfinity Series race. At the age of 25, driving the Z number 00 Haas Automation Ford uh, for Stuart Haas Racing. His crew chief, Jonathan Tony. It was his 11th victory in 123 Xfinity Series starts and his first victory in a top 10 finish this year. Also, his first victory and first top 10 finish in one race at Portland International Raceway. Uh, at... Uh uh, then it was Justin Algauer who finished second. He posted his second top ten finish in two races at Portland and his ninth top ten finish this year. Sam Mayer finished third, posting his first top ten finish in two races at Portland. And Chandler, Chandler Smith, who finished ninth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, now we're going to do the kind of a review of the... Um, of the uh, actual race that took place this weekend uh, with Cole Custer. It was a thriller, uh, and what happened is Cole Custer took advantage of a melee in turn one after an overtime restart. He held off a charging Justin Algauer to win Saturday's Pacific Office Automation 147 at Portland. Uh, Parker Kligger in overtime Parker Klogerman pushed Justin Algauer and Sheldon Creed wide, allowing the number 00 of Cole Custer to get by for the lead. Custer went on to lead the final two laps and won uh, the Xfinity Series season race at Portland. It was his first win of the season, and Junior, junior Motorsports actually took the next three spots. In the rundown, with Algauer finishing in second place, Sam Mayer took third, and Josh Berry re rebounded from a mid-race spin to finish fourth. Then it was Austin Hill who rounded out the top five. The next five drivers were Myatt Snyder, finishing sixth in his first start since Daytona. The pole sitter, Sheldon Creed, who led a race-high 47 laps, finished in seventh. Connor followed by the number 24 of Connor Mosack, the number 16 of Chandler Smith, and the number 20 of John Hunter Nemechek. Creed actually won the opening stage while Custer picked up his third stage win of the season in the second stage. There were five lead changes among four drivers and five cautions for 10 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 65.126 miles per hour. Let me check here. Sal is back. So uh, let's uh, see what he has to say about our top ten finishers out at uh, Portland International Raceway. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I finally got something that work. can't believe oh, modern okay. technology messed me up the way it did. Okay, so let me go back. So I, I, I didn't watch the race because I was over at, um, at Wenatchee, but I looked at the top ten. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I was busy to you as you were speaking. So it looked like Chandler Smith is the highest finishing rookie. 
Um, uh-huh. Was there an issue with Chandler during the race or after the race? Yeah, Chandler Smith uh, and uh, Jeff Burton had a. Uh, there you uh, go. Yeah. Yeah, they had a little tough after the race. Uh, Jeff Burton wasn't happy uh, with the way Chandler Smith raced him, and he let him know about it at the end of the race. So. I heard I heard something about that, and 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 I heard from other drivers you know, that Chandler needs to learn how to. He's learned how to race, and I, I I think they brought him too quick. But either way, congrats on Cole Cup for finally been, getting the win. Let me go back huh? to that. Uh, let me go back to that because Jeff Burton said uh, it happened three times throughout the race that he was uh, kind of uh, manhandled by Chandler Smith uh, by with his car. So he was not at all happy. He, he took it three times throughout the the race out there at Portland. Yeah, and and, and I mean, yeah. Chandler was the one that dumped Derek at the Snowball Derby two years ago for the win, and, I, and I, we've seen him do it in the Truck Series before. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, you know, a lot of dirty driving by him. He just doesn't learn. But oh well, I guess that's just the way. It is. But anyways, congrats to Cole Custer on the win. It was a, mm-hmm. it was a win that was that was. Desperately needed this year. I mean, he's he hasn't had the best of luck. You know, he's had good cars, but he just hasn't had the best of luck. And um, oh, congrats on the win! And uh, man, Justin Algar just keeps on. He's Justin amazing. Algar just keeps on. Yeah, him and him and Austin Hill. Austin Hill with the top five mm-hmm. finish. I mean, you know, Sheldon Creed. You know, still you know continue to get his top ten finishes. You know, which is huge. You know, and then of course, you know, you know, like you mentioned, John Hunter Nemechek, you know, finishing in the tenth spot. Um, I know the last race, I guess it was Sam Mayer and someone else had gotten into it at the at the last race. I don't know one of the drivers was happy with Sam Mayer, but he picked up the third the third place this week, which was big for uh, you know for uh, 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 Junior Motorsports, you know, getting the you know, having, having Josh Berry finish in the eighth spot. Josh Berry's been doing a lot of driving too, with the, um, you know, filling in, you know, in, in the, on the Cup side. You yeah, know, three so of the junior motorsports drivers were in the top four, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was neat to, it was neat to see that Justin, Sam, and uh, and Josh. So, and then I'm um, to see the Stuart Haas, especially after that big hit they took. Last week in the Cup Series with Chase Briscoe and the two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine and and one hundred twenty points, you know, to get their Xfinity car up in Victory Lane, you know, I'm sure that was a, a huge um, a huge uh, um, confidence booster for the team. Yes, indeed, uh, that was that was really big for sure. Um, and actually, so, Cole should have had the win the night before too in the in the Arca Series win race. Yeah, that's when Landon Lewis kind of uh, uh, it was a battle between Landon Lewis and Cole Custer. Cole ended up second, uh, but I would say overall it was a pretty good weekend for Cole Custer. Oh yeah, it was. You know, getting you know the second and the first. You know, um, uh, if it would have been for that last caution in the Arca race, Cole would have had Cole would have won that race, but. You know, but then to come back, you know, and, and win this one, I'm, I'm sure what he learned, whatever he learned on Friday, I'm sure, you know, helped him out, you know, on Saturday, you know, to, 
you know, get to know the track a little bit better. And that's why these drivers, you know, will race, you know, exactly. the day before, you know, on these tracks. And it was just a close get the one. Experience. It was a close finish, uh, Sal. The margin of victory was point one four two thousandths of a second. So that's a pretty wow. close victory. Yeah, it is. That's a really close victory. Okay. Now, we did have some drivers who had some uh, issues this race. Uh, Brendan Poole was out on lap 15 because of an accident. Stefan Parsons had an overheating issue. That took him out of the race on lap 17. It was a transmission issue taking uh, Mason Maggio out of the race on lap 28. A tie rod issue for Parker Chase. He was out on lap 36. A rear gear issue for Kyle Sieg uh, took him out of the race on lap 46. Uh, Daniel Hemrick finished the race running, but he only was able to get 47 uh, laps of the 77 laps in. Uh, so he was uh, a little short on laps there. Uh, Raleigh Earps had an engine issue that took him out of the race on lap 65. And then um, Leland Honeyman had an accident that took him out uh, one lap short of the full race. He was out on lap 76. Uh, so there were 27 drivers who all finished on the lead lap and several others who did finish. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, four other drivers, four or five other drivers that finished a lap or more down. Yeah, there. so I mean, yeah, it was a, uh, you know, like I said, you know, the, you know the, you know the top three, you know, Cole, Justin, Sam, Josh Berry, Austin Hill, Matt Snyder, Sheldon Creed, Connor Mozak, you know, then you know Chandler Smith and John Hunter Nemechek. Um, you know, like I said once again, you know, congrats on them, you know, getting their, you know, their respective, uh, respective top ten. I expected a little bit more out of Riley Herbs. On on Saturday too, you know well, he had his issues is. on Friday. You know, then he goes back on Saturday and then has an engine issue. You know, then uh-huh. um, Dylan Lupton, you know Dylan Lupton yeah. too, you know, who came out to run. He did double duty too. He ran Friday and Saturday. Mhm. I was happy to see his name on the entry list, but a little disappointed in the finishes. Uh, I, I thought he might do a little bit better than he did. Yeah, but um, all in all, you know what? Uh, they put on a good show for the fans out there in Portland. And uh seemed like the weather was nice out there. Yeah, it was. Uh, let's go over the points before we run out of time, Sal. Okay, so then we're, now we're going to go to the points. Uh, let me see right here. J-Ski points, driver points, more points. Driver points. John Hunter Unicek leading the points. Austin Hill in second. Justin Algaier in third. Cole Custer fourth. Josh Berry fifth. Chandler Smith rounds out the top six. And then from there, then we go to Sheldon Creed in seventh. Sammy Smith in eighth. Sam Mayer in ninth. Riley Herbst in tenth. Daniel Hamrick in eleventh. And Brandon Jones rounds out the top twelve. The 13th spot is uh, Jeb Burton, but Jeb has that win, so actually it'll put Brandon Jones down on the. Oh. Yeah, it'll put Brandon Jones down in 13th, and put Daniel Hamrick will be on the bubble. Um, yeah, Jeb Burton moves to 12, and Brandon Jones moves down to 13th. 
yeah, with the with the win. So um, Austin Hill still leading the the series with three wins, and John Hardy will check right behind him with two wins, and of course Justin Algar with one. Cole Custer finally got his one win, and both Chandler and Sammy Smith each have a win apiece, along with Jeff Burton have a win It's his win. That's right. So that's what four, five, six, seven of the twelve drivers. Uh, so that means there's only five open in the uh, Xfinity series to get in on points at this point. Yeah, because Ryan, Ryan now, Truex has the other win, but he's, he's not he's not eligible for the. Yeah, he's, he's a part time for the. Yeah, he's a part timer. Okay, let's look at the races that are left here for the Xfinity Series. Two more races in the month of June at Sonoma next week, and then afterward uh, they'll race at Nashville Super Speedway on June the 24th. Uh, that's two races. Then they have their, they have several races, five races in the month of July, beginning with the Chicago Street Race on July 1st, Atlanta Motor Speedway on the 8th, uh, July 15th, New Hampshire Motor Speedway, Pocono Raceway on July 22nd, and July 29th is the race at Road America. So that's seven races left. In August, uh, they have Michigan International Speedway on the 5th, Indianapolis Motor Speedway's Road Course on the 12th, Watkins Glen International on August 19th, and Daytona International Speedway on August 25th. Uh, so that's what? Four more races, so that's 11. In September, they have two races, Darlington Raceway on the 2nd, and then Kansas Speedway is their season finale on September the 9th. Uh, so that's 13 more races here. Uh, that, so this is the midpoint for the Xfinity Series. They'll be starting the second half of their regular season at Sonoma Raceway next week. Wow. So, so uh, yeah, you know what? Um, gosh, I, I, I mean, even though I'm not going, but I, I, I probably had the trucks been running again this year, like they ran last year, I probably would have went ahead and, and put in, you know, and, and try to, and try to get, get up to Sonoma this weekend. But uh-huh. with the, um, you know, with it being the Xfinity, you know, and actually I still should have, I still should have gone because usually it's just the cup, and it's uh, it's usually just the cup and the um, and the arcas are the only two races that you know run at the that run um, uh, Sonoma. Okay, well Dylan is here, so why don't you do a lead up for him, and then I'll bring him into the queue so you can go ahead and introduce him. Okay, our our next our our guest for tonight is going to be uh, is. Uh, Dylan Zampa. We were going to have him a couple of weeks ago, but then we had some uh, we had some scheduling changes. Um, Dylan just won his first uh, um, SRL Southwest Tour race, um, super late model. Um, awesome battle between him and Jacob Gomes. The last I don't know twenty thirty laps of the race. Um, it was a very uh, well deserving win. Um, and I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it made for a good night of racing, especially with all the wrecks and everything that they had. And only, I think we only finished with eight, seven or eight cars, but those two cars up front really, really made, uh, they really made 
uh, for one heck of a, a race to just take your mind off everything that was going on. But anyways, with that, uh, you know, it was an exciting win. Congratulations again to the whole Zampa family, you know, and, and, and everyone involved with the team. And with that, we want to welcome Dylan to the show. Welcome to the show, Dylan. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me again. So you finally you finally got that uh, that finally grabbed that that super late model win that's been um, that's kind of in a sense way eluding you and it and it's kind of been hanging there in front of you. Um, gosh, your team your team your family put so much work and effort in, into your racing, you know, and it was neat you know to see you know how the whole race how it played out and then especially at the end, you know the battle that you and Jacob Gomes had, gosh, it was, gosh, I'll tell you, that was, that was one for the ages. Yeah. You know, that was, um, that was probably one of the most intense races I've been in. Um, you know, uh, you know, only finishing with, I think six cars on the racetrack and starting with 15. So, you know, we just kind of, we kind of played our card, right. Our cards, right. And we were able to, you know, avoid wrecks and, and, you know, kind of make our way through and get to the lead. And, um, you know, getting the lead from Austin and then, um, you know, getting, getting kind of a, a gap put in between us. And I started, started saving tires because I knew Jacob was, was fast. And when my spotter said that he cleared the 11, you know, I, I kind of waited, I waited, I waited. And then he got to my bumper and then I moved to the top to try to, to take his line away. And, you know, we, we definitely didn't have, you know, the greatest car all weekend. You know, we were, we our my team worked really, really hard on the car from unloading the trailer and you know we, we got the car pretty pretty close in qualifying and then having a flat tire uh right before the race and having to change it and and going through all these ups and downs through through the whole year not even just this weekend and it, it feels really really good to to get that that win that's a that's a big bucket list win right there for sure you know and, and when you think about it it don't matter where you were on the track nobody was safe if you if you're if you're in the lead you are not safe. If you're in the middle you're not safe. If you're at the end you're not safe. There's there's wrecks all around the track and that race and and I I couldn't believe how long it took to run the race and and all the wrecks. I was talking with Brian afterwards, Brian Olson, and he said he goes I go Brian I go for as few cars that were on the track I go I could not believe. I mean, right out the gate, we had the one with John Moore and Cole Raz that knocked Cole Raz completely out of the race. You know, and then, it, like you said, you know, it just seemed like it, it seemed like everybody got hit at, at one time or another. Yeah, it was it was a hectic race for sure, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, I I don't even know what was going on and and what was it, what people were thinking. But my my our plan right out of the gate was was try to get try to get some positions on restarts and then and then conserve and then kind of just keep going at restarts because we knew we were going to get competition yellows and you know the first the first lap wreck I was running the bottom so I you know I was nowhere I didn't even know that wreck happened and then um the wreck with Dan Holtz and Kale Kanky and and Shepard and Bowman and all those guys that that I was right in the middle of that one that one was scary because Dan Holtz was sliding down the front stretch and and I was turning left and right and I was, you know, all over the place trying to avoid it. And luckily we were able to just barely sneak by and, and that's what got us the lead was, was in that wreck right there. And we were kind of able to just kind of control. We were not really able to control the pace because Jacob was so fast, but um, 
we were able to kind of conserve tires. And I think me getting to the lead and conserving a little bit is kind of what won us that race, I feel like, because if we would have pushed it and tried to get a bigger gap, I felt like Jacob would have been able to get by us. So, so you, you and Jacob are going back and forth battling and, you know, Jacob's getting up to you, you know, and, and I mean, I'm sure going through your mind, you probably knew, you know, Jacob, you know, he's not that driver, you know, who's going to be, uh, you know, you know, like one of the other drivers, you know, who's going to, who wants to win. Plus it, it, the way the series has been going, you got, you start off the modifieds with the Trav, Travis Thurkettle, who's won all four races. Then you go to Lenny White, who's won all four races. And then Jacob Gomes comes in and he's got, he's on a three win, you know, a three race win streak, you know, looking for his fourth one. You know, and 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 the way you guys battled, you know, it almost you know looked like Jacob was saving what he could for the end. But when you're coming through the line, you know, and you go through the checker flag, what was going through your mind? Yeah, you know, um, when he got to second, you know, and I I knew I knew that he you know roughed up Herzog a little bit to get by him, you know, just that's just racing, you know. Um, but I knew I was in the back of my mind. I'm like, he's most likely if he can't get by me, he's most likely gonna you know, lay the bumper down, you know, to get by me. And I was just waiting, waiting, waiting. And every single lap, each corner going in, I was just, you know, just praying that I have, you know, I was, I was getting ready to, you know, get hit and, you know, it never came. So what made me, you know, not, not miss my mark at all. Cause I was just like, if I hit the mark every single time, then I'll know what to do. So that, that made a big difference also with, with not making a mistake at all. And, um, but going across that checkered, going across the finish line and my spotter saying checkered flag, you just won. That was probably, you know, I was kind of utter belief, you know, I thought I was in a dream. I almost had to pinch myself almost, you know, um, I never thought I was going to be in that position. Um, so early in the year, you know, as a rookie team, I felt like it was going to take, you know, you know, maybe half, you know, more than half the season to, to kind of get in our rhythm but you know all the cards played out right and we we ended up in victory lane and and the victory kind of hit me once i got back to the trailer and you know my dad was like was like oh my god we're we're the only father son duo to, to win a uh, an SRL Southwest Tour race and you know that that's kind of where it hit me i was like wow we just we just made history right there yeah that was the and you know what that Dylan um our um uh, show host Sharon. I know I know she has some questions for you, so I'm gonna pass it over to Sharon for so this week she can uh, she can uh, she can ask the questions she has. Sharon. Yeah, Dylan. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Okay. Well, you mentioned your dad. One of the questions I I was going to ask you is I always like hearing uh, about the support that you get kind of behind the scenes that uh, a lot of times we don't, you know, the fans don't get to see who are the people behind the scenes that are making things happen for you as a driver. Uh, Talk about the relationship with you and your dad and and, uh, congratulations on the fact that you guys made history uh, with that victory in the uh, Spears SRL Southwest Touring Series. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, me and my dad, you know, he, you know, he's the one that got me into racing. Um, he's, he's also the one that, that gave, that hung up his racing suit in early, pretty early in his career to, to let me and my brother, you know, start racing. And, 
Um, my brother, you know, he just got back from college, so he's on a summer break, so he's going to be racing again. So we're going to be back to, to a two-car team. So, uh, you know, he's going to have a little bit more on his plate, and uh, he's probably not going to like it. But, um, you know, uh, my dad, you know, he's just – He's one of he's 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 amazing, you know. Um, he sacrifices a, a lot to um, to have me and my brother both pursue our dreams, and um, especially my mom as well. You know, I can't leave her out. You know, she's a big big part of the race team. You know, she's always making sure everyone's fed, and um, you know, making sure everyone has some type of uh, water. You know, soda. She's always making sure everyone's fed and and up. You know, ready to go for anything that is going to get thrown our way and you know everyone on our crew joe roderick he's always at our house 24 7 almost sometimes even on weekends he's over you know it's it's just a team team effort and rj johnson you know he's always always you know texting me and my dad you know try, we're just trying to figure out how to get faster um john michael uh he he's always you know just there to help with anything uh chuck earl he's you know, always there making sure our tires are perfect. So it's just a, a whole team effort. It's not just, you know, one person. It's a, it's a whole team effort. And with, without my team, I, I definitely wouldn't be where I am right now. Absolutely. And that's why I like to uh, give you an opportunity to kind of highlight those folks that are behind the scenes. So thank you for that. Um, because it's not just the driver, it's a whole crew of people behind you that are kind of helping and supporting you. But, Dylan, I also want the fans to get to know who Dylan Zampa is. So we know racing is a huge part of your life, uh, but what is it that you're willing to share with us about Dylan Zampa that most folks don't know about you? Um, You know, I'll... I don't know. A lot of people don't know this, but uh, me and my brother, we we try to play golf uh, once a weekend if we can. Um, when he, especially, he just got back, so we've almost golfed every weekend since he's been back. So, um, you know, I like to I like to go out and you know hit some balls on on the golf course with my brother. You know, having a good time. We, me, my mom, and my dad and my brother actually just just played some golf um, yesterday actually. So that was pretty fun. You know getting to see my dad with his with his wonky swing was was pretty fun so it's always a good time to to you know get some get some family time outside of racing that's always good so um but you know we're we're it's monday so we're back in the race shop and trying to get faster still so Okay, well, that that sounds awesome. Uh, Sal, if you don't write an article about Dylan Zampa and the Zampa family, I think uh, I will. Dylan, would you mind if we do that? Yeah, that that's fine with me. <laughs> okay, and and one last question: When you're not racing in the uh, Spears SRL Southwest Touring Series, are there any other series that you race in, Dylan? Yeah, we this year uh, John Moore has created a uh, Jam Environmental Wild West Super Series at All American Speedway, yes. so it's also super late models. So we've been running that. We've been running that as well. And uh, we, we've had some, we've had really good su- success there as well. We've got um, two wins out of the two first races they've had this year. So um, that race is actually going to be right after the Kern race, I think. So we'll be back at Roseville right after Kern with the Spear Southwest Tour, and um, we might we might run some Madera races. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll see about that. But um, right now we're just trying to work on the Super Pro Lates. We'll always be my you know my my home you know that's where i started um 
they're really, really fun cars, um, really good competition in them. Um, every series has great competition. So, um, but hopefully we can get out at Madera. I'd love to hop back in the pro late, um, a couple times this year as well, but, uh, all American Speedway and the Spear Southwest tour is where I'm running right now. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks Dylan for coming on the show and Sal, I'll let you wrap it up, but you and you're going to have to let me know if, if you or I are going to write this article about Dylan and his family. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Dylan, one, one last question. How did the, how did this whole deal come through with, uh, with, uh, with Apache? Um, that one, that came through with, with my dad and, and Randy Hendricks, um, you know, working something out with Sean and, you know, everyone at Apache, you know, we, we were just, we were just looking, you know, looking for sponsors to, you know, just help with, with, you know, stuff at the racetrack and, and he was able to, and Sean and everyone, everyone at Apache was able to, you know, agree to, to help us through, um, through the season. Um, so, um, you know, they're great, great help, great guys. Um, hope to see them get a win here soon and, and maybe at Irwindale or Kern. So, um, that'll be cool. I'll definitely be down in victory lane with him. So, um, but yeah, um, we have really, really good sponsors this year. Um, they're, they're all amazing, great people. Uh, I hope, I hope to, you know, keep moving up the ranks with, which each in, which, with each sponsor, that would be, that would be pretty, pretty cool. So, um, but yeah, so Apache and Sean and just everyone at Apache has been, been great this year. That's awesome. And with that, Dylan, you know what, I'm, we're going to give you a chance to give, to give any more shout outs you have before we close up, before we close up the, uh, before we close the interview, if you want to give a shout out to the rest of your sponsors, to your team or whatever, this is uh, the part of the show, you know, where you get your chance to do all, to do all that. Yeah. I, first off, I'd like to thank Sierra Speed Technology and Randy Hedricks for giving me the opportunity to drive his super late model. Um, Apache Rental Group as well. Um, Reeves Complete Automotive Center. Anderson Logging, Valley Fabrication, Hell Metal Fab, KRC Power Steering, Allied Auto Stores, Allied Propane Services, Swift Springs, and the Kawiki Driver Development Program. That's neat. You know what? And uh, with that, Dylan, uh, I just want to thank you again, you know, for coming on the show. You know, I'm sure we'll have you on again, you know, you know, later on in the season, you know, as the season progresses. Um, I just want to say once again from Fanfare Race, you know, congratulations and, uh, and good luck the rest of the season. And we'll see you in Kern in two weeks. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Okay. All right. Pleasure. Okay. Good night. Okay, that was Dylan Zampa uh, from the Spears Southwest Touring Series. If I, is it right that he drives the number twenty nine car, Sal? The num- number one. The no, number no, he, one. No, he drove the twenty nine. No, that's right. Oh, he drove the twenty nine. Okay, that's yeah, he what drove I the twenty nine. Yeah, because sometimes it's the last time it was the one when he drove it, but this time it was, it was a twenty nine. Okay. Okay, well, uh, always a lot of fun talking to Dylan Zampa, and uh, uh, I thought he gave us a really, really good interview there. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and move on to our Cup Series. They raced out at uh, WWT Technology uh, Raceway. Uh, this was the second Cup Series race out there, which is pretty cool. And the winner was Kyle Busch, 38 years old, uh, driving the number eight. 
Three Chai Chevrolet for Richard Childress Racing. His crew chief, Randall Burnett, this was a home track uh, for Randall Burnett. He comes from uh, the Missouri area, so it was really cool to see him get that victory as well. It was his 63rd victory in 657 Cup Series races, Kyle Busch's third victory and eighth top ten finish of this season. Also his first victory and second top ten finish in the two races at WWT Raceway. Denny Hamlin finished second, posting his first top ten finish in two races at the track and his sixth top ten finish of this year. Joey Logano, who was last year's winner, came in third. He posted his second top ten finish in two races at WWT Raceway. Ty Gibbs finished 20th. He was the highest finishing rookie of this race. And now for a recap uh, Kyle Busch converted his pole starting position into a victory and collected that 63rd Cup Series victory on Sunday. Uh, but the driver of the number eight, RCR Chevrolet, had to work hard uh, for that first place money. Uh, he survived five restarts in the last 40 laps of the Enjoy Illinois 300 and beat Denny Hamlin to the finish line by .517 thousandths of a second after Bubba Wallace's broken brake rotor caused the 11th caution on a lap number 236 and sent the race into overtime. Um, let's see. Third, that was his third win this season. Hamlin again finished second, followed by Logano. Then it was Kyle Larson and Martin Truex Jr. rounding out the top five. Then the next five drivers were Ryan Blaney, Daniel Suarez, William Byron, Michael McDowell, and Kevin Harvick. Uh, again, Bush started from the pole in the number eight RCR Chevrolet. He led 121 laps for the day and took the lead for the final time with 56 laps to go. He remained the leader through six restarts in that overtime finish. The race was red flagged for three separate occasions. First for one hour and 45 minutes on lap six due to repeated lightning strikes in the area. Uh, the second red flag was due to a track cleanup following a wreck by Noah Gregson on lap 198. And the third for a wall repair after an accident involving Austin Sendrick and, I, and uh, Austin Dillon and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. on lap 119. Stage one was won by Kyle Busch. Stage two was won by Ryan, Ryan Blaney. There were five lead changes among ten drivers, 11 cautions for 67 yellow flag laps. The average speed of this race was 87.508 miles per hour. Uh, Sal, your thoughts on those top ten finishers? Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I could never understand the lightning strike thing. I mean, you know, okay, lightning strikes, okay, you know, five, ten minutes and you go. I can't understand why they have to wait so long to get the race going well, again. But that's neither. Yeah, I think it started, you know, Sal, when there was a fan that was hit by lightning a few years ago. No, and that's no, why know, NASA I mean, implemented that plan. Yeah, but even though you, you they come, the fans still don't hide. They still sit in the stand. So, I mean... You know, well, it's not NASCAR's fault that, you know, I mean, you can't fix, like like they say, you can't fix stupidity. But either way, congrats on Kyle Busch, you know, for, um, for on the win, starting on the pole and getting the win. 
Uh, man, he sure has done. A, he sure has done a lot with that uh, for this RCR team. You yeah, know, he you has. Know, I mean, I mean, Richard Childress has tried. You know, bringing back Ryan Newman. He's tried. You know, with different drivers. You know, and it seemed like nobody could get it done. You know, and then you know he hires Kyle Busch in the off season. You know, to change the program around, and basically Kyle says, "Okay, we're going to do it my way." You know, and so far, you know, like you said, you know, he's got the three wins. You know, congrats on that. Danny Hamlin, another second place finish. You know what? Uh, um, I'm not going to get into all that. Joey Logano with the third place. Joey still continuing, you know, to be the, uh, you know, championship form, you know, champion, you know, that he is. You know, uh-huh. um, uh, you know. Then let me see. Going down to Kevin Harvick. Gosh, I hope I hope Kevin gets a, a win before the season is over. You know, this is his Kevin. last season. Uh, you know, and you know they already got the. You know, the driver, you know, who's saying it's going to take over his car. But you know what? I don't want to talk about that driver because it's all about Kevin's last season. You know, you got to give Kevin his respect. He's had a lot of years in the series. He's had a lot of wins. You know what? And, and you know what? And, and I just really hope that he can grab at least one, one, at least one or two good wins. Um, Michael McDowell, ninth place finish, a top 10. Great job there. William Byron continues to you know, rack up the top, you know, top tens and continue to be one of the threats in the, um, in the series. I really thought this was going to be a, another Ryan Blaney win, but, you know, he finishes six, you know, uh, you know, it's just still a good finish for Ryan. And then of course, fourth was, you know, rounding off the top, the top five, you know, it's Martin Schwartz and Kyle Larson. But uh-huh. um, once again, congrats, congrats to Kyle Bush. You know, on the win, and you know he's he's back and you know proving you know that he's you know he's a he's a threat. You know what? And um, you know, I all I gotta say is watch out all the rest of the drivers because Kyle's getting started. You know what? And I'm not saying he's gonna click off all bunch of wins, but he's gonna click off a lot of good finishes. You know, up until you know up until playoff time. Yes, indeed. Okay, there were. 28 cars who finished on the lead lap of this race, which is pretty cool. Uh, But a couple of other drivers were still running at the end, but they were one or more laps down. Um, And uh, although they were still running. Uh, So let's start with uh, those that had incidents. Uh, Carson Hosevar had an accident uh, that took him out of the race on lap 91. Tyler Reddick had an accident. He was able to get to lap 174. And uh, Noah Gregson had an accident that took him out of the race on lap 197. Uh, Let's see. A couple of other accidents, Austin Dillon and Bubba Wallace. Uh, Austin Dillon had an accident taking him out on lap 223, and Bubba Wallace was out due to an accident on lap 236. Greg Alding was still running, but he finished a lap down, as was Chase Briscoe, but he was he was multiple laps down, uh, even though he was still running at the end of the race. Uh, your thoughts about any of those uh, situations? You know what? I, I didn't I didn't really see what the last the last uh, by the time I flew home, got off the plane, and after the second lightning strike, I was laid down watching the race and I guess I fell asleep and woke up when when Kyle Bush crossed the crossed the line so I missed I missed Noah's wreck. I heard it was pretty hard. I heard it was pretty pretty yeah, crazy it was. wreck. It was yeah, you know, it was I heard pretty it was hard. 
Um, now, I will say this. I thought I wasn't going to be able to see the race, and I was going to watch uh, kind of the DVR version of the race. And uh, when I got home and I turned on the TV, they were just getting started back. So I was able to catch most of the race live, which was amazing to me because I, I was totally – uh, expecting something totally different when I got home. So uh, I was glad I was able to see the race, although I feel bad for the delay. I guess there were also some issues at the track in addition to the lightning strike sound. There were other issues that were taking place. The Internet was down. I had nothing to do with NASCAR, had nothing to do with the track, uh, but some of the teams did not have Internet, uh, so they had to call in. Uh, their service provider in order to get that corrected as well. So it wasn't just the lightning strikes that caused uh, those delays, just as an FYI to you. Yeah, well, the first delay I know was lightning because we were on the plane. We had just boarded, and um, we put the Internet on, you know, and put it, you know, on, you know, on, on FS1 to watch it. And we were waiting for the, uh, you know, and all of a sudden it said lightning strikes, so there's a delay. So, um by the time we, we we flew home and got off the plane and, and they were, they were uh, barely getting the race started. Yeah. And then when I drove from the airport and got home, then they had the second delay and I was like, oh my gosh. I said, here we go. And then, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, that, I laid the, down. The, the length of that delay had a lot to do with the internet going down too. The first delay, not the second delay, but the first delay. Okay, so I just thought, you know what, um, I'll just wait till the delay's over. I was watching TV, and next thing I know, I, I woke up, and I didn't know I fell asleep, and next thing I know, here's the, you know, Kyle Bush is coming, you know, you know, across the line, you know, then they, they show the bird out, and, mm-hmm. you know, picked up his well, boy. Well, let's go ahead and cover the points before we run out of time here, Sal. So. Yeah, let me get there. Okay, Ryan Blaney is still at the top. Wow, Chastain's dropped. Chastain was up there. He's mm-hmm. dropping like a like a like a heavy watermelon. Well, he didn't have he had a rough race out at WWT Raceway this weekend. Yeah. So, anyways, leading the points is uh, Ryan Blaney. With his one win from last weekend, at, uh, and sitting in second is William Byron with three wins. Uh, Kevin Harvick sitting in third with no wins. Martin Truex sitting in fourth with the win. Ross Chastain drop, dropping down all the way to fifth in the points with no wins. Chris Bell with his one win. Kyle Busch who just picked up his third win in the season in seventh. And Danny Hamner rounds out the top eighth, who also has a win. And then from there, then we go down to Kyle Larson, who has two wins, Tyler Reddick with one win, Brad Kozlowski with no wins in 11th, Joy Logano with one win in 12th, Chris Buescher in 13th with no wins, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who still has the one win from the Daytona 500 in 14th, Boba Wallace is going downhill, sitting in 15th, uh, Daniel Suarez is on the bubble with um, sitting in the 16th spot. Only uh, six points ahead of Alex Bowman, who's sitting in 17th. So, uh, uh, you know what? And actually, when you think about it, 
where is Chase Elliott? Because they gave Chase Elliott a waiver. Mm-hmm. Or there Chase he is. Chase Elliott has a Twenty-eighth, yeah. So Chase has a waiver. Mm-hmm. But he don't have a win. But he don't have a win yet. Yeah, he's got to get that win to get for that waiver yeah. to be good. Uh, plus, he was suspended for a race. I, I suspect yeah. well, he'll waiver for that too. Oh well, he has a he he has a he has a, in the fans' eyes he has a win for mm-hmm. what he did to Hamlin. So the fans <laughs> to, to the fans that's a win. Okay. Uh, let me just make a point here, too, about uh, stage wins. If you think stage wins don't make a difference, uh, William Byron has 17 playoff points to Kyle Busch's 16 playoff points. They both have three wins, but William Byron has seven stage wins. Uh, so that is kind of good. that could be a big deal when it comes to their seating at the start of the playoffs. Uh, so the only other driver with uh, double-digit uh, playoffs points is Kyle Larson. He has the two wins and two stage wins, uh, but those stage wins uh, take on a big significance uh, for these drivers uh, as they continue to play out their season as well. Oh yeah, that, yeah, when you think about it, you look at at, uh, at the watermelon man. He's got five stage wins and five playoff mm-hmm. points, you know. So he's he's not too far behind on the stage wins behind William Byron. He gets that one, he gets that one win and locks himself in. Those stage wins are going to be huge. Well, those stage wins, those five stage wins that Chastain has is is the same amount of points he would have playoff points if he had a victory. So he would get five more. Uh, with a victory, and that would really put him up there. Uh, now, the, exp- the Cup Series, they have 15 races in uh, to their 26-race regular season. So they have, what's that make it? Uh, they have another 11 races left in their regular season. So their season ends in uh, September. Well, let's see, playoff run. This season ends actually on August the 26th at Daytona International Speedway, and then they start their playoff round of 16 on September 3rd at Darlington. So 11 races to go here for the Cup Series. Okay, we are uh, already at the top of the hour here, and uh, we're past it, in fact. So we're going to have to say goodbye, Sal. But thanks. It was great having you back. Okay. Thanks, everyone. You guys have a good weekend. Be safe, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Good night, everyone. All right. Take care, Sal. All right. We're ready for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and uh, we have a couple of fan for racing crew members here tonight. Uh, We'll start with Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, uh, hey, Sharon. How are you doing tonight? Doing real well. Uh, looking forward to our Hot Topic Sound Off here tonight. We also have joining us uh, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. But uh, i got to admit that uh, I ran into Mike intentionally. So I think I, Mike's been – or Mike ran into me intentionally, so he's been suspended this week. Is that why he's not here? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I think he's 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 enjoying his vacay this week. So we'll look forward to having him back when he returns. No, no uh, on track incidents here. <laughs> Well, okay, I, get, I get the so, feeling that's what a lot of our hot topic is going to be about tonight. It could be. Uh, I think you're probably right. Uh, Andy, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, why don't we get started with that one? Jay, I, I wanted to let you know I did look at the SMT data, and uh, Mike did hit you intentionally. That's why he is suspended uh, for this week. But, um, <laughs> yeah, let's talk think- about this one from yesterday. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sharon. I was going to say, I think it might have to, the the hitting might have more to do with disagreements than on-track incidents. That is actually quite plausible, so we'll go with that one. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so yesterday in the cup race, uh, first off, a really good race, I thought, at Gateway. I enjoyed it. Um, But uh, Austin Sindrick and Austin Dillon actually got together on the front straightaway, and uh, the contact between the two competitors sent Dylan up into the wall, and after the race, he commented that he felt it was intentional and thought that Cindric deserves the same penalty that Chase Elliott incurred this week uh, in addition to what Bubba Wallace incurred last year. So, thoughts on that? Okay, Jay, I think Grandpa agreed with him, too. So, what are your thoughts? Well, it goes back to the Chase Elliott one. There was a lot of talk about that uh, throughout the weekend, obviously. Um, the president uh, was interviewed and, and made the statement that they didn't necessarily want to suspend Chase Elliott, but did based on the SMT uh, data. And there was an angle. I will go back and say this. I know Andy, I don't think, heard it the other night. I saw an angle where it definitely looked like Chase Elliott had straightened out, then turned left. So, uh, like I said, I wasn't going to disagree with NASCAR doing the suspension. What I don't want to see is what we're having happening now. And there were some comments uh, from fans, um, I don't know about drivers, but from fans anyway, wanting to see suspensions from the Xfinity Series race as well. And Larry Reynolds talked about it on Race Hub uh, tonight. We're going to get into the box where if somebody touches somebody, they're going to cry, hey, suspend him. He did it intentionally. Check the data. And they interviewed a lot of drivers. I know Kevin Harvick was one. He went back to he felt he should have used it or learned from it at Bristol when Chase Elliott ran into him. Um, I'm trying to remember who the other one that they went back and wanted to go back and use data from. But that it is a tool to be used, but it can also persuade you one way or another. And all data can, can use it to your advantage to try and make your point and kind of twist it. So I, I'm not against them using it, but I don't think they should strictly rely on that. The deal with uh, Austin Sendrick and Austin Dillon, um, I'm watching a second replay. It maybe looked like Dillon or uh, Sendrick came up a little, but most of it looked like Dillon actually came down. And it certainly wasn't anything that was an intention or a retaliation. Uh, maybe, I think it was, again, Larry McReynolds that said a mistake was made. He got in too deep or got into his corner, but did not turn into him trying to hook him, trying to wreck him or anything like that. So I don't see that there needs to be any kind of even repercussions from this. Um, as somebody pointed out, and I don't remember whose tweet it was, uh, NASCAR didn't even hold or penalize 
Austin Syndrome during the race as far as aggressive driving. So uh, I think this is a done deal. And like I said, I just don't want to see – hold on a minute. Please, lay down. Sorry. Um, that get to the point where, as we say, Larry Mack uh, referred to other sports, or racing sports, where you have a steward and, you know, you even come close to touching somebody and they want to have somebody put you in the pits or a penalty. And I don't want to see that either. So I think this one needs to go away, just be, be done. Yeah, I think uh, the possibility of opening Pandora's box is certainly here. NASCAR has said that they will review it. But but here's the deal. When you look at the video, well, there's two things that I think is really interesting about this. First of all, before I get into the video, I think it's interesting that Dylan uh, and and I think his grandpa said this too, but I know Dylan said it, that he felt that Cindric hit him in retaliation. So that tells me uh, in retaliation for what? Did he do something aggressive earlier in the race uh, that maybe he should be penalized for? Um, so I, I, I think there's an admission of guilt there uh, when he talks about Cindric doing something in retaliation. Uh, but in, in the other point here is that um, uh, when I look at the video, uh, I've seen a couple of different angles, and in both of those angles, it looks to me like Austin Cindric is holding his line. He doesn't veer left or right, and it's Austin Dillon that veers toward Cindric's car. Um, and that, that's what caused the accident. He wasn't clear of Cindric when he veered that direction. And then, of course, when they touch, uh, he ended up spinning into the wall. So I, I do think, um, that there's, it is good that there is SMT data that NASCAR can look at and kind of get an idea of what happened there. But from everything that I've seen, it looked to me like Austin Dillon was holding his line and the only car that actually moves is Austin uh, Dillon's. So why does it always have to be Kyle and Kyle or Austin and Austin? <laughs> it's it's hard to have the conversation when you've got two with the same first name there. But um, anyway, uh, I don't think there's a penalty needed in this case uh, or suspension. Uh, I think it was just uh, Dillon uh, getting loose and, and uh, you know, uh, it was a racing incident, if you will. It was good, hard racing. Uh, I don't see any need. I'd like to see the video of what Dylan feels uh, Austin might have been retaliating for uh, because it tells me that Dylan uh, must have been aggressive earlier in the race, Dandy. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with, bo- with both of you on this one. You know, having watched the replay a few times, you know, over the past couple of days, I felt like Cindric held his line down the front straightaway and, and Austin Dillon moved up and wrecked himself, quite frankly. And, you know, then after the race complained that, you know, that it was intentional and that Cindric should be suspended. And it's like, this is a bit of a slippery slope here. You know, if, if every single time an incident happens on the racetrack, these guys start crying about, you know, oh, so-and-so needs to be suspended and this and that. Like, I don't think that's a good direction to head in. If it's if it's blatant, like I felt like the Bubba Wallace and Chase Elliott incidents were, if it's blatant, you know, then it warrants a penalty. But on-track racing incidents are going to happen. 
whether they're intentional or not, you know, and I don't know that we should be, you know, digging too deep into the data and, and suddenly penalizing drivers all the time for, for racing incidents. And that's exactly what this was. Now the two may have had history and it sounded like did have history uh, perhaps from earlier in the race, but I, I really do think in this case, Dylan screwed up and tried to blame it on Cindric, you know, and that's really kind of where it ends for me. So um, I don't think Austin Cindric deserves any kind of a penalty. Um, you know, it's got it from, in my mind, it really needs to be blatant to warrant the penalty. And I just didn't see it in this case. So hopefully um, the data will, will back that up because I would be pretty disappointed to see Cindric get, um, you know, taken out of race because it just did not seem uh, egregious on his part. Okay. Uh, Jay, your follow-up? Well, and Andy used a really good word. I know, Sharon, you you like to use this as well, the, the slippery slope um, yeah. is what we're kind of looking at here. And I didn't even really pick up on the fact that, like you said, of Austin Dillon and Richard Childress were saying they felt it was payback you get into the situation where the one that gets punished is in a fight. Uh, when you talk about a fight gets in trouble is one. Normally you catch the one throwing the second punch. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's whoever starts it gets away with it because it's when the retaliation come that it gets, they put the focus on it. And then the one doing the second punch or retaliating is the one that gets in trouble. Um, so that could kind of lead towards hey, hit somebody before they hit me. But, I'm with you guys on this. I think it was just a racing racing deal. And the thing that also I think is going to come into play, I know they talked about it, is your tracks where it's higher speed. Uh, not that it isn't dangerous anytime you're in a race car on any kind of track, but getting hooked into the wall at a high rate of speed. Um, your slower tracks, the road course, I know talking about the Xfinity Series at Portland, Nobody even hit a wall because there was just you just lost all your track position because you spin off into the grass or into the gravel pits, um, and that might come into play too. Then of it's not as dangerous, um, but again, if it's a clear, obvious, intentional hooking or wrecking or you know driving them off the track, uh, you know I appreciate NASCAR looking into it because a lot of the drivers said you got of. Protect the, protect the drivers from themselves. And I can't think of who it was again now either. I'll go back. Um, Brandon Paul, I think is his name, from Flow Racing, was, was talking about it, of how ironic it is of the answer is always let the drivers police it, police it themselves. And he compared it to, let's just go with football. If you have the unnecessary roughness or holding or something, you don't let the players officiate that themselves, you know, and, and in racing, you're talking about an even higher risk. So NASCAR does need to be aware of these things. I kind of understand, Hey, the drivers will take care of it themselves, whether it be in the garage area, hopefully it's not out on the track, but it also can be done on the track in a manner that isn't high risk and dangerous. And we talk about Ryan Newman and his is just because of who he is as a racer but you can make their life difficult to get around, pass, whatever, without wrecking them, um, you know, and putting them into the wall. Uh, unfortunately, at times it comes to that. We all know that uh, under that intense pressure and split-second uh, thought process, the, the timing of it goes badly. But 
I, I think we can see it without it being that um, that way. Okay, I'm just going to bring up uh, the other side of the coin here, if you will. Uh, I did see a, a post earlier today. Couch Racer uh, posted uh, this: the Cindric Dillon incident shouldn't even be in consideration for a penalty. Let's not get ridiculous. Freddie Kraft responded to that and said, oh, boy, TJ showed me some details this morning that may contradict this statement. So then he goes uh, on on another post and says, I see a lot of back and forth on here about this Dylan Sindrick wreck. What if I told you it's possible that Dylan came up and Sindrick hooked him? Um, I, I, I'm not sure that I buy that one. Uh, I don't think uh, Sindrick had any intention of hooking Dylan if he did hook him. Uh, but to me, a hook is when you make a direct left turn into another driver, and I did not see that at all uh, from Cindric. The only I saw Dylan come up, uh, and and Cindric did hit him once Dylan came up, but it was Dylan making that move up the track. Uh, Cindric was holding his line and probably didn't have a chance to respond to Dylan coming up the track. So. I think it's interesting, though, uh, to see Freddie Kraft uh, kind of posting that out on Twitter. Uh, so just playing the other side of the coin there, I still believe it was it's not worthy of a penalty, and I don't think it was a blatant hooking of a driver for retaliation or anything like we saw with Bubba Wallace or with Chase Elliott. So to me, no penalty, uh, no suspensions. And uh, we just move on from here. Andy, you get the follow-up. Yeah, I I agree with you, Sharon. You know, I just I just have to think that you know we we really don't want to go down this path of suspending drivers for every little thing that happens on the racetrack. You know, I think there are some you know obviously some blatant incidents that you know I just talked about that you know warrant a penalty, but. In this case, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I had tried to look at the TV replay a few times, and I really didn't see Cindric move, you know. And if he did, it wasn't much. But even if he did move a little bit, it is possible that as he was moving potentially down the racetrack, Dylan came up the racetrack, and that's why the two collided. I, I really think it was just a racing incident. You know, I don't know that Cindric has the reputation of being dirty like that. I don't know that he does. So it would be surprising to me to see him do something like that anyway. So, um, you know, I, I just would hate to hate to see somebody get suspended when, when they really didn't try to wreck somebody on purpose. So it'll be interesting, I guess, to see uh, what comes out in the next couple of days. If anything, I hope nothing um, because I really don't want to see this become a common theme here uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, I totally agree, Andy. <laughs> uh, I think we're all in agreement with that. Okay, Jay, uh, go ahead and take us to our next topic. Are you still there, Jay? Maybe he's on mute. Are you on mute? Uh, I was on mute, talking away <laughs> while on mute. Um 
since Mike's not here, uh, I will bring up a topic he posted and represent him here. Um, I know he likes to get on particular drivers, but I think there's some validity to this one. Uh, it says we're less than halfway through the season, and KFB is one way win away from tying tied our Austin Dillon on the all-time RCR list. Uh, Austin Dillon has four wins in nearly a decade at RCR. Kyle Busch got his third with the RCR, which ties him with Reddick and Gordon. Uh, so is it, is it time for Austin Dillon to really look in the mirror and look at where he's at or the team to look at that as far as him as a driver, I guess? Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Well, it's a valid point, but I it's hard to make a comparison between Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon. It's no, it's no secret that Kyle Busch is a Hall of Fame driver and has had a Hall of Fame career to this point and will only continue to add to that. I can't say the same for Austin Dillon. Now, he is a Truck Series and Xfinity Series champion. We, we know that. Um, certainly had his share of success in lower series. But his cup career has kind of just been okay. You know, I, I, I can't really call it a, a fantastic cup career, you know. And I think that when you see what Tyler Reddick has done and when you see what Kyle Busch has done in the eight car, it really sheds light on that, to be to be frank. So, um, is it time for him to hang it up necessarily? I don't think so, but um, my own opinion is that you'll probably see him meander off into management world at some point um, in the coming years. But, um, I mean, it, it's just it's hard to compare the two. Kyle Busch is just head and shoulders a better talent, you know, and, and his career backs that up. Uh, that's not saying that Austin Dillon is a bad driver. I'm not saying that at all, but – uh, it's just a fact that some drivers are elite and some are not. And I think that that's the example in play here. Okay. And I just want to clarify, and I'm, I apologize if I'm repeating here, but I, I'm not sure if Jay said this, uh, but in Mike's uh, post about this, he says, Austin Dillon has four wins in nearly a decade at RCR, KFB, or I should say Kyle Busch, got his third RCR win, tying him with Reddick and Gordon. I just want to clarify that the Gordon that they're talking about here is Robbie Gordon and not Jeff Gordon. Uh, So, yeah, those two drivers both had three wins at RCR. Um, But, yeah, I I think it's unfair uh, to compare him with Kyle Busch for sure. Uh, Kyle Busch is the winningest driver uh, in NASCAR right now, and there's not many drivers that you can compare to uh, Kyle Busch. Um, And as far as Reddick and Gordon, Reddick is a pretty darn good driver. Uh, He did not do so well this past weekend uh, in his race at uh, WWT Raceway. I think he ended up... Uh, finishing well down the finishing order here. Uh, let me see if I can get that again. Uh, so even Reddick has races that are not always the best uh, days uh, for him. Yeah, he finished 35th out of a 36-car field, uh, but that was because of an accident. I will I will mention that. Um, uh, so you know everybody has their moments. Uh, but Tyler, Ty, and I'm sorry, 
Austin Dillon, uh, I think, has been at RCR, and he has had some success in the lower tiers, both the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series. And I think I would compare him with a driver like maybe Justin Algauer. Maybe the Cup Series is not where Austin Dillon belongs. Maybe, maybe it would be better for him to go to a t- uh, the back to the Xfinity Series and be more competitive uh, in that series. Uh, I think. He would be competitive in the Xfinity Series, and he would get a whole lot more wins. And that's exactly what Austin, that's exactly what Justin Algar did. Uh, so I think there are possibilities for Austin Dillon. Uh, and I, I will say this year it seems like he's been uh, more competitive than he has in previous years. Uh, but at this stage of his career, it seems like he should be. Uh, doing better than what he is. So it might be time for him to consider uh, maybe dropping down to the Xfinity Series, or maybe it's time for him to take a management role within the the uh, RCR organization uh, in preparation for when uh, RC uh, decides to retire. I don't think he's ready to do that yet, but I'm just saying that time is going to come at some point. Jay? Yeah, I see both sides to it. Uh, we'll start with the fact of comparing the drivers, and you guys hit on it. You are talking about uh, comparing one of the elite, and not just in the NASCAR Cup Series, across the board, Xfinity trucks, go-karts, uh, wagons. I mean, you put Kyle Busch in something, he's going to win in it. So, And Austin Dillon recognized that. He's the one that initiated the conversation to, get, to bring Kyle Busch over there when there was that possibility of him leaving Joe Gibbs Racing. So that's known, okay? In the years that we've seen RCR kind of build back towards the top, we've seen improvement from Austin Dillon, but not to the same level as what we see some other drivers. You mentioned Tyler Reddick coming in. As he started winning his races and that program building towards the top, Austin Dillon was definitely running better week in and week out. I know he's had a rough season so far, a start to this season anyway, um, going, going. but you're right. There, there's still been that better consistent run, so the cars are getting better. Uh, that's one thing. But then I also, on the other side, look at it of you, you've given him all this time, and I don't know if the 10 years is actually correct, but it's been a while. I wouldn't have realized it was 10 years, I guess, that he's been given that opportunity to develop and try and improve Daniel Hemrick was only given one year and that's where I'm like okay if you're only willing to give Daniel Hemrick one year he didn't win a race he's out now again they could get the better talent of Tyler Reddick that was shown he came in and won with it okay but I also look back at history Richard Childress stepped out of his own car to put a talent in and that talent was Dale Earnhardt so maybe Austin Dillon has to say hey if we want to win races and championships and there's a better driver available, I need to step out. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? I think Jay brings up an excellent point here. Um, You know, it's no secret that as Richard Childress gets older, I think when you look at um, Austin's father, Mike Dillon, as being, you know, a team principal over there, that's probably the direction that ownership's going to go. I think the Dillons will have a fair amount of, um, 
you know, a fair amount of say and probably a big presence in that team and its future moving forward. So eventually you have to make business decisions. And I think that, you know, if the team, you know, had the opportunity to bring in another elite driver um, to pair with Kyle Busch, that could possibly lead to the long-term success of the team moving forward, you know, and certainly um, that's something I think they would have to look at. So that's a really good point that Jay brought up there because it's true. And, you know, sometimes you have to do what's best for the team. And, you know, certainly, you know, if you could, it's hard to put a name on it, but if you could get a a Kyle Busch type talent, um, you know, and, and, pair him with Kyle Busch, then certainly that's a fantastic direction to consider moving forward. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but it's it's definitely been interesting to see Kyle come in in his first year with that team and run so well, um, you know, and win all these races for sure. Yeah, I think those are all really, really good points. Uh, another point that's kind of occurred to me as we're talking here as well is that let's keep in mind that RCR as an organization has not been running all that great uh, since Dale Earnhardt left. Uh, There were the Kevin Harvick days, and Kevin Harvick kind of carried that organization. Uh, But, you know, um, uh, he moved on to Stuart Hawes Racing, and I think that left a huge hole at RCR along with the retirement of Jeff Burton. Um, And... I really think that, uh, in all fairness to Austin Dillon, uh, he might not be the guy that can reorganize that team, uh, being as close to it as he is. Uh, so they needed somebody like a Kyle Bush, and, and you brought it up. Austin Dillon was the one who recognized that they needed somebody like a Kyle Bush, uh, to come in and, and help them reorganize. As an organization, uh, let me interrupt myself because we are at that point of the show where I do need to make an announcement to our first-time listeners. Uh, if they're tuning in for the first time, you may not know that we go off the air at exactly uh, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. However, we do continue uh, the conversation and record that part of the conversation that then becomes part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. So I will go out on Twitter and Facebook and let you know when the podcast is available. And at that point or any time at your earliest convenience, you can fast forward to the two-hour mark and hear the rest of our conversation uh, that goes on after we go off the air. So I, again, don't want anybody to be caught off guard and not know how they can hear the rest of our conversation, and that's why we do this announcement. Uh, But I think it I think Austin Dillon is the one who recognized, and and this was brought up earlier, that they needed somebody like a Kyle Busch to come into that organization. I think Tyler Reddick did some things that helped elevate them uh, a little bit last year, but Kyle Busch is going to do so much more as one of the best drivers in the series right now to help elevate that organization. And I think it shows in the results that Austin Dillon is getting. But I do think uh, he needs to really look at himself and consider 
what other options there might be for him. And you guys are right. Maybe it's time for him to step aside and let another up-and-coming driver come in there and really elevate that organization and, and let Kyle Busch, while they've got him, uh, let him kind of train that next uh, new talent uh, that's coming in uh, for the future of that organization. Jay? We, you hit on a couple of key things there, Sharon, of, of a talent that not only can win races, but change the direction in, in the ship, turn the ship of a company. And you, you mm-hmm. mentioned it when Dale Earnhardt passed, RCR went through some tough years, but Kevin Harvick was still winning races and contending for championships. He didn't win one there, but was winning races. And in the latter part, though, it got worse. Even he as a driver couldn't carry the organization. Um, Aston Dillon, obviously, as you said, is not that that driver that can make that direction and, and change the, the direction of the company. So you bring that driver in. But then with that, as that, that change happens and one team starts winning, you've got to look at why the other one isn't. And I know it's tough. I mean, we talk about uh, Hendrick Motorsports uh, for many years um, being a three-car team. It always seemed like one or two of them was running good, one not. In the past few years, uh, they've had it where all four are very competitive, but even Alex Bowman gets talked about as two races a year in contention, solid driver, winning a race or two per year, but not dominating and winning like some of the other drivers, you know, so that gets looked at of as to why. And, and that's where I think that they need to look at the RCR team. And I know some of it can be then, well, maybe it's a little thing of uh, driver and crew chief. And I know that was one of the changes they did make. Um, and I cannot remember his name, but the crew chief that, Austin Dillon had in his truck series and Xfinity series. They brought him back. That didn't pan out as they thought, and he is no longer there in that role anyway. I don't remember if he stayed within the RCR organization. But, there was Danny so it might. There you go. Thank you. And I don't think he is, actually, I think because I think he's at Kyle Busch Motorsports now, even when he was Toyota, now he's back to Chevrolet, which kind of all worked out. But um, – you know, so maybe it is just a little tweak of something on Austin Dillon's side, on the crew chief side, that can be worked out, and he can become a weekly contender like Kyle Busch is. Um, we'll have to wait and see, but so I think something does need to be done because there's definitely a disparity. And I think the fact that Tyler Reddick came in for two years, did the same thing, moved on, shows that as well. Okay, we'll let that be the last word. And, Andy, you get to bring up our next hot topic. Okay, this one isn't necessarily listed in our hot topics, but I wanted to talk about, um, of course, this weekend, Corey LaJoy drove the nine car in place of Chase Elliott, and Carson Hosevar drove the seven car in place of Corey LaJoy. Um, specifically, the topic would would be, you know, did Corey LaJoy help or hurt his chances at um, securing an A-level cup ride in the future. He finished 21st, which is fairly respectable, but I think a lot of people thought he was going to set the world on fire, and that didn't exactly happen. So thoughts on you know his performance and, and what it might mean for his future? Okay, Jay. 
Yeah, I saw this uh, as a Twitter topic, and I don't know if that's what was on SiriusXM today. I know it got talked about. Uh, I'm not sure it did either one real hard one way or the other. Um, I know at least to start the weekend, and, and we talked about this going into it, of maybe overdriving it, trying to prove something in that one race audition, if you will, um, that he was overdriving it and overdoing it. I think he uh, made some mistakes, uh, not as a rookie mistake, but because he's been in a cup car. So the mistake he made to start the race was kind of uh, unique. But I also think there's some things, in it, whether it be with Hendrick Motorsports or not, because they're pretty uh, solid and full up, that it will at least put some other eyes on him. Uh, I know we've, there's been a lot of scuttle again about as silly season starts up. Um, I think it was a track house that he got kind of linked to if they were to start a, new, a third team in the year 2024-25, um, that, that's somebody they've talked to and uh, would look at. But if nothing else, I think it helps him take some things from Hendrick Motorsports. As he said, it's a world of difference between the two garages, resources and everything else that he can take back to Spire Motorsports. And they are on the rise in building that company. We've seen it with Corey LaJoy himself. And I thought Carson Hosovar actually was doing a phenomenal job for his first Cup Series start. Um, had a problem with the car. I think he actually finished dead last, but he was running, I believe, 16th at the time. Okay, yeah, uh, Corey LaJoy had that 21st place finish in the number nine car, and we're so used to seeing that number nine car really competing uh, in the top ten for the most part. Uh, so I do think that uh, I, while I understand where people are coming from uh, with their comments about that, uh, I do think that Corey LaJoy uh, it's the first time that he's been in really good equipment. Uh, and uh, so it's not always easy to do that. Uh, and you're at a track where uh, there's a lot of problems that were happening for several drivers who had problems with brake rotors and, and accidents that were happening throughout that race because of brake rotors. So uh, I, I think that he probably went into that race saying that he wanted to make sure he finished with a clean car. Um, he probably didn't get the finish that he was hoping to get, but I agree with Jay. I think that he is still getting the uh, acknowledgement that he was in that car this weekend, and I don't think it hurt him as bad as a lot of the fans are thinking maybe it did um, for the first time getting in that car. Uh, I think he did all right, and there's no, nothing to say that – uh, maybe Chase Elliott would have had the same kind of race uh, at the Gateway uh, where you've got to really take care of the equipment uh, in order to be there at the end. Uh, so a lot of good drivers had issues uh, when you think about uh, some of the drivers that didn't weren't able to finish that race because of brake rotors and whatever else. Um, but even Brad Keselowski, who's been running pretty good, he finished all the laps running, but he ended up with a 28th place finish. So uh, 
I don't think we should be so hard on Corey LaJoy for his finish in that race. I think he still should get acknowledged for for uh, jumping in that car. Now, if he gets in it in a second time at a more like an intermediate track, uh, I think that then we might be able to judge him if he gets a 21st place finish. But I think at a track like uh, the track there at WWT Raceway, I think it's a little bit of a harsh judgment. Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, You know, going into this weekend, there was a lot of excitement and hype, I think, from his fans, expecting him to go out there and win. I mean, there were questions posed to Bob Pockeris about – you know, if he wins, you know, what would his playoff eligibility be and stuff? And I thought that that was incredibly lofty to think that he would just jump in somebody else's car and go win. Like, very unfair realistic or unfair expectations. And I think Corey himself seemed to put a lot of pressure on himself to try to go out there and perform, as has already been mentioned, you know, overdriving, getting into the fence a couple different times. I, I don't know if he looked at the weekend as his one shot to try to go out there and get a top tier cup ride. I don't necessarily think that I'm sure other opportunities will present themselves down the line, but it just seemed like a ton of pressure was put on him by other people and himself. Um, and I think that it led to mistakes and ultimately kind of a mediocre weekend. Um, but no, it's, it's not defining at all. It's, it's not, realistic or fair to expect somebody to jump in a cup car with a team they've never worked with before and go out there and and dominate and win the race. It just doesn't happen very often. There are, you know, strange and and very rare instances where we've seen this. I, I look back to Jamie McMurray in 2002, I believe when he filled in for Sterling Marlin and won, I think it may be his first or second career start you know, those anomalies do happen, but they're very, very rare. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, he shouldn't necessarily be judged for that performance. Um, very comparable to, I think, how he probably would have run in the seven car. And I think that, in my opinion, is the bigger story. Uh, Harsavar consistently outran Corey um, all uh-huh. weekend in the seven car and had worked his way up to, I think, 16th when he had the brake rotor blow and ended his day. But, he did a remarkable job in that car. And I think that probably turned a lot of heads as to, you know, his talent level and and where he's at as far as moving up in in the NASCAR world. And certainly, you know, Carson has, um, you know, had his share of controversy over the last few years. And we've been pretty tough on him on this show. In fact, at least I have, and I think Mike has, but you know, he's starting to put it together here in the last few weeks in the last month or so. Um, you know, he, he's calmed it down to the truck series. He's run well in his two Xfinity series starts. And I, I was super impressed with what he did yesterday. Um, you know, he, he did a fantastic job in a, in a team that isn't necessarily considered an A-level team. So, um, you know, Carson, I think, turned some heads and probably opened some doors possibly for his future. So to look at the two different scenarios, I think, you know, Corey – may or may not have helped his future, but Carson Hosevar did. And I think that, you know, what he did yesterday definitely will have an impact on his 2024 plans. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Andy. I think Carson Hosevar uh, definitely turned some heads with what he was able to do. 
Um, he did he did uh, break that brake rotor, but keep in mind he wasn't the only one. There were several drivers that broke brake rotors, several good drivers that had issues with the brake rotor. So I don't think um, uh, he should be judged by that at, at all. Uh, but he was in a subpar car uh, that Corey LaJoy has been driving for quite some time and was able to, uh, like you say, do better than Corey LaJoy, who is in that number nine car. Um, and I would say, too, you, you bring up a good point. There were a lot of nerves uh, that were probably on the line uh, for these guys as well, uh, both Carson Hosevar and for uh, Corey LaJoy. Uh, getting the opportunities that they both had at this race at Gateway. Uh, but again, I think it was a tough, dra- tough track to have your first race in a cup car. And, uh, I think, uh, I think we gotta go easy on, on, um, judging them a little bit too harshly. But Carson Hosevar definitely, uh, uh, came out on top, uh, if you're gonna compare the two drivers. Andy? Or Jay, did I skip you, Jay? Yeah, come back to me. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Both here, no problem. Um, just as, and I know it's a little different when you're going to talk about Josh Berry because he hadn't been in the Cup um, versus Corey LaJoy has, even if it isn't in comparable equipment. But it took Josh Berry a couple of races to get accustomed. You know, um, I know, like I said, it's still within the Cup series that Corey LaJoy moved over. But there are so many things that are going to be different within an organization. The people are different, for one. So the communication is different. So just like with when we go to a new track or anything else, you can't judge it really off of uh, one race. Um, Again, I feel like he was solid. Uh, Had they not had a couple of hiccups, maybe a 15th, possibly 10th place, which is for a sub driver um, coming into that car, I think it is reasonable. They had the little hiccups, and he ended up with the 20 per, 21st place finish. But to the other side of that, I'm with both of y'all, and I've kind of been there all along versus uh, bagging on Carson Hosevar. I have really been impressed with his Xfinity starts and then now this Cup Series start, and as well as the truck race. And I know, Andy, you weren't on the other night. Um, when we talked about the truck race from Charlotte, I felt like he – could have done things like he's done in the past and drove it in and wrecked himself and some others. I felt like he checked out several times and took, uh, let some situations go and took a third, fourth place finish. I think it was within the top five versus going all out for that win. Um, as Chastain has been known to do and not getting anything to show for it. So I think he has shown some great, uh, maturity and improvement on that side of it. So I really look forward to what his future holds. Um, And I think Corey LaJoy, like I said, I don't think it hurt him any, um, but Sharon said it. I don't think it's as bad or as negative as what some of the fans are saying. Again, Mike Mike and I have talked about it. You know, yeah, we can jump in Kyle Larson's car. That doesn't mean we're going to perform like Kyle Larson does or anybody, you know, um, just because it's not just the car. You've got to have all that right combination. Okay, Andy, you get the final word here. Yeah, not not too much follow-up on this, really. Um, you know, I think that um, it was a unique experience to see 
what each driver would do in, in those respective cars this weekend. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see if any doors open from this moving forward or, or not. I just want to say kudos to Chase Briscoe and his organization, though, too. He was still running at the end of that race, even though he was laps down. I think it was, uh, what, 11 laps down. Um, I give him kudos for getting back out there and trying to do everything he could in that race. I wish it was 11 laps down. It was 49 yeah, laps I was down. Say, and, yeah, that was 48 or 48 oh, no, or 49, yeah, I right. think, is what it was. Right. Uh, that I was a painful day. That. That was a very painful week and very painful day, here, and I, that's all I can say. But, you know, as fans, we we have to go through this every now and then. I know you've probably mm-hmm. been down this road before, too, and uh, it'll get better. It has to. Yeah, it will. It will. But I, I still think it takes a lot of perseverance to get out there on the track and be that many laps down and, and still charging forward. And at one point they said he got a lap back. Uh, so, you know, that's not easy to do when you're that far down. So, uh, I just wanted to mention that to you. Yeah. The, uh, the team actually, uh, just real quick, they, they had pretty good spirits. I felt like, um, Mike Buggeravich is actually the crew chief subbing for John Clausmeyer, and he was Boyer's crew chief for three years on the 14. So I'm very familiar with him as a crew chief and he does a really good job. And I thought came in and did a really good job and, and, you know, maybe in all honesty was kind of a refreshing change from the way things have been. So maybe this is that little spark that gets them headed the right direction, you know, and and that's all we can hope for. Yeah, absolutely. Jay, did you have any other topics you want to make sure we mention here? Well, I think we got, what, a little over 10 minutes. Um, We can take a look at the one you posted, the Save the Speedway uh, says on here explanation as they look at what track to target next to try and revitalize if they were to choose to do so. Okay, uh, Andy, I did see another post in regard to that, and they were asking uh, what track would you pick, but in this particular point, was, uh, but in this particular post, uh, they gave a very detailed explanation of uh, the tracks they were looking at. And unfortunately, Rockingham was not one of those tracks. And they kind of explained why. Uh, and also, they kind of counted Nazareth Speedway out of the equation as well and gave a reason why. And in another post, they uh, uh, they were asking the fans, what track would you like for us to look at? Uh, beyond North Wilkesboro. So your thoughts? I, to be honest, I haven't given this a ton of thought, but um, it is. It would be cool to see Rockingham come back. I always enjoyed that track uh, when it was on the schedule, um, you know. But it, I, whether it happens or not, it's really tough to say. Um, certainly, was excited to see North Wilkesboro's revitalization this year. Um, not really sure. I think any of us thought we'd ever see that happen. Um, yeah, Nazareth, I'm not sure that's even feasible anymore. I've, I saw a picture of it pretty recently, and it's amazing how poor it looks. Um, you know, and that wasn't on the schedule that long ago. Um, you know, about 18 to 20 years ago, it was still on the on the, the Bush Series schedule. So, um, But unfortunately, things can deteriorate a lot in that amount of time. 
So I'm not sure you'd ever see that again. I think there's two realistic options, and I, they probably uh, – one of them is going to be really popular with you, Cher, and the other one probably not so much. But Chicagoland and Kentucky, because neither one of them are that far out of date, you know, we raced on both those – or I should say NASCAR raced on those tracks fairly recently. And, you know, I I would rather see Chicago come back over Kentucky because – they put on pretty good shows there. I know you'd agree with that one, Sharon. So I think if anything came back, maybe that one, but just, just from a feasibility standpoint, I think Kentucky or Chicago in pretty much ready to go. I would think, you know, they're, they're not too far gone as far as, um, you know, being let go, but some of these other ones, uh, I think Rockingham probably is in good shape. I think they repaved it recently, but yeah, Nazareth and some of these other ones are, in pretty bad disrepair, and I'm not sure you'll ever see him come back. But um, who knows? I mean, it'll be interesting to see if anything comes back. I, I for one, um, wouldn't mind seeing, you know, tracks rotate in and off the schedule maybe here and there, you know, just to try to keep the schedule fresh. Maybe we'll see something like that in the future. Okay. Well, that, they're in their explanation, they indicate that uh, Rockingham, Darlington, and Wilkesboro – uh, the two tracks closed because of the oversaturation of the area. And so now that they have Darlington and North Wilkesboro uh, running, they want to be careful not to make the same mistakes too soon, and they want to make sure that Wilkesboro is established or North Wilkesboro is established before they think about bringing Rockingham into that equation again. So uh, that seems like a smart move for them. And then for Nazareth Speedway, the reason that they're really not looking at Nazareth Speedway uh, kind of surprised me. I did not realize this. NASCAR, when they sold the track, it was sold with a very specific provision in the sale with a deed restriction that prevents the track from ever being used for racing again. So unless there's some lawyer with a ton of capital that wants to fight NASCAR to have it removed, uh, the deed restriction remains and the track won't be used for racing again. So that just closes the door on Nazareth Speedway with no hope of ever bringing it back. Uh, so, uh, again, I, I like that they gave an explanation for why they're not looking at Rockingham right now. They say maybe after they get North of Wilkesboro clearly established, uh, maybe they'll look at Rockingham again. But right now it's not on their list. Uh, but I do agree with you with regard to Chicagoland Speedway. I would love to see them bring that track back. And uh, we'll see what happens after the Chicago Street Race, if there is a more conversation about doing that. Uh, but I do kind of feel like what they've done is in addition to bringing the street race to Chicagoland Speedway, uh, they've brought the Cup Series to uh, WWT Raceway, and I think that's become our Illinois track now. So I have less hope of them bringing Chicagoland Speedway back because of that. But I hope that they do consider it because we did see some great racing there, and I know Jay agrees with me on that. The other track that I would like to see them also consider, though, is Iowa Speedway. I think that's a great little track out there, and uh, I think it's so accessible from I-80 
that it just baffles me that more people were not attending that race. I wish the fans would come to me and tell me why they're not attending uh, the race at Iowa Speedway because it's so accessible and uh, so accommodating to the fans and and racers and everything else. So it's a head-scratcher to me as to why there weren't more people going to Iowa Speedway. Uh, and I'm sure that that plays into why they they, they kind of uh, backed off of that track. I will tell you, and Jay will confirm this, there were conversations of expanding that track and making it kind of more of a sports facility within the area there uh, that I think would be another big attraction uh, for Iowa Speedway. But with, Iowa, with uh, NASCAR kind of backing down on the number of races they're doing there. I think there's still an ARCA race out there, but and I think IndyCar still races out there. But I think if they were able to uh, do like they did at uh, Nashville, if they were able to contribute to uh, revitalizing that into a more of a sports uh, complex, if you will, I think it, it could pay off some big dividends there. Uh, so that's one I would put on the list. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I think between the two of you, you kind of covered them all, but we'll, we'll start with, uh, with Rockingham. I, I know that's a popular one, and that is one that would be a revitalization, um, as mentioned. Second off, you talk about the area saturation. Um, I think what Andy hit on there, and is something I think they can maybe look at, is then rotating between some of these that every third year, uh, you know, or two to three years, they go to this track versus that one um, would help. But that one is still open and running. Uh, what did it say under there? Uh, the Smart Modifieds. Yeah, the Smart Modifieds. Uh, Rockingham is open holding events to include a Smart Modifieds race later this year. Um, All right. Hitting on Naz- Nazareth, um, this is one that uh, kind of a personal thing here, Columbus Speedway right next to the house. Oddly enough, I just, I just talked to you a couple of weeks ago. I went, tried to go direct to the source. I've always heard that if they don't host one race a year there per year, that it will be shut down and cannot be used to race again. And I talked to the grandson of the guy that originally ran it and when it was thriving back in the day. And he said he didn't even know if that was true. Uh, it's become folklore. Everybody believes it, but they don't know if it's true. But they always make sure they get one race per year in just in case because that could happen, I guess. Um, in this case, it was actually in the contract for Nazareth. So, yeah, you got to scratch that one. Then you move into Sharon hit on Chicagoland. Should have never went away. It's not a full revitalization because the track is still there. But I also look at new opportunities then, and Iowa has never gotten its Cup Series um, opportunity. Great facility, some great racing. I don't know if it's 100%. I know that there isn't a whole lot in the immediate area of the track as far as other um, big city attractions. I know that's one of the things NASCAR looked at. Um, that you don't have that, but that track did a phenomenal job of, um, and Sharon, I'm trying to remember when we, when I spoke with, did the interview with uh, David Hoots of what they brought within those two weeks of stuff around the track, different concerts. I know he was working with several tracks, both asphalt and dirt um, to, to kind of partner together, but they did put together uh, stuff at the track or within that community 
um, to provide that experience so it wasn't just uh, the race only. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm with you. I don't understand why it was not successful. But that also goes back to no matter what track it be, North Wilkesboro, Rockingham, Iowa, Chicagoland. And I don't know that Chicagoland necessarily had that issue, but if fans want the racetrack there, you've got to come out and support it. Yes, indeed. That is so true. Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, that's the thing. You know, a lot of uh, – been a lot of support for North Wilkesboro to come back. You know, a lot of talk about it. The fans showed up. And, um, you know, I know that there was, you know, years and years, there was a lot of people advocating, you know, for Gateway to come back and, or, you know, make its way to the Cup Series. Of course, it had been on the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series schedules for quite some time. Went away for a bit, but came back, and you can see how great the support has been there as well the last couple of years. So, yeah, you know, if a track does make its way from, you know, the dead back to life, you know, you got to go support it. So that that would be the key for sure. Okay, and I'm I'm going to put a shout-out here to one of our fan racing crew people, uh, crew members, and that's Brian Everly. He's been going out to Road America, and uh, they have a uh, walking course or an exercise course, I guess uh, you might want to call it, at Road America that when the track's not being used for racing, uh, fans can go out there and walk the track as part of their exercise program. And uh, he's been doing that. Uh, but that's another track that I think NASCAR should consider uh, making a return to as well. I thought they put on some great racing at Road America. And uh, uh, I just wanted to add that track to the list. But uh, I think without repeating what everybody's already said, um, uh, I'm going to kind of end it there and uh, let Jay have the final word here. Jay? Well, my my final word word is, Sharon, you need to become a psychic because I I just thought about that. I saw where Brian had tweeted that earlier (laughs) that he was at Road America um, and having been to that track. uh, Awesome facility. I was excited. Again, I don't know what NASCAR's thought process was. They came there for, what, two years, I think. It was a huge success, but they pulled it to try this Chicago street course understand try new things but uh at what expense and that road america was another one kind of like chicago land i'm just like how do you take something away that that was that successful but i'll go with the new one then with the xfinity series anyway and road course racing i always like pike's peak out in colorado there you go Okay, well, we are at the top of the hour, and that means it's time for our round table or our triangle once again uh, for our, our uh, handles and uh, what we're doing next. Okay, so, Andy, we'll start with you. Uh, CB14 fan on Twitter, and uh, good to be back after missing the uh, show on Thursday, and I'm pretty sure I'll be back Thursday, so looking forward to that. And uh, once again, nice to be on tonight. Okay. And, Andy, I want to give you a programming note real quick because it might make a difference. We are going to do a podcast on Thursday, uh, and it will be during that uh, time frame that uh, we'll be on air for Hot Topics at uh, about 1 o'clock Eastern time. 
So I hope that doesn't change the perspective for you being on with us again on Thursday. No, not at all. I, I think it'll work. I'm not, not seeing any reason why it won't work. So at this time, okay, we'll plan good. on it. Okay, that's good news. Jay? Well, Sharon, I'm going to ask you what, I, what I'm going to say, because you did it again. I was going to ask if you had talked to Andy about the uh, change for Thursday, but you hit on it. So uh, um, <laughs> you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And had a great weekend with the Comp Cam Super Late Models at Jackson. This week I get to be a fan, and I'll put a picture up in the uh, in the group chat, but uh, I don't get to be a fan very often. So this weekend I think I'm going to be here at Columbus Speedway supporting that track and just watching as a fan. Okay, so that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, and we've got some other dates coming up, Andy. I'll put you on a uh, – I'll, I'll – I'll uh, put it on our team's page uh, with what some of those uh, opportunities might be coming up. Uh, But I'm waiting for Jay to get back to me, too. But I might talk to you just as a backup in case Jay can't do it. Um, But anyway, (laughs) I know that's cryptic right now. It'll make more sense when I send you the message. Um, Earlier tonight, we did have Dylan Zampa on the show. Uh, He gave us a great interview, and we got to know him just a little bit more. Uh, So if you get a chance, he uh, drives the number 29 car in the uh, Spears SRL Southwest Touring Series. Uh, He just won a race out there, and he's got Kern County Raceway coming up on the schedule. Uh, And uh, if you get a chance to go back and listen to it, it was during our second half hour of the show here tonight. Um, I'm sure we'll have him back on as well. And then also for Thursday's show, uh, one of the reasons we're doing the podcast is the availability of our guest, uh, Landon Lewis, after having three straight uh, second-place finishes in the ARCA West Series, uh, finally came up with that victory out at Portland International Raceway this week. So we're going to have him on the show this Thursday, uh, and he'll be able to review uh, the race win at Portland, but he'll also he'll be racing at Sonoma Raceway, so uh, he'll be able to help us preview that race coming up at Sonoma as well and give us his thoughts about uh, going into that race. Uh, I'm sure he has some momentum on his side after winning at Portland, uh, but uh, looking forward to talking to Landon Lewis on our Thursday show. Uh, so a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. I know we've had a really weird schedule this uh, season so far, but uh, we really appreciate everybody taking the time uh, to tune in, whether it's on the live broadcast or the podcast. And uh, also to our Fan for Racing crew, Sal Segala, who is on the show here tonight for the early part, and then uh, Jay Huseman and Andy Lasky here for our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion. Always appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again on Thursday. With that, I think we're ready to call it a night, guys. All right. Have a nice night. Good night. We'll talk to you Thursday. Good night, everybody. Take care.
With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.